For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Just as a by the by, there is a story making the star this morning. The Red Tops talk about that sunny period of three weeks or so that we had recently meant that um, uh, the amount of money spent in pubs was very healthy indeed. Um, and pubs saw their profits or at least their takings rocket by 25% over the course of the month, particularly, I suppose, if they had outdoor facilities like beer gardens or what have you, where people could have a loft outdoors in the sunshine. There was a lot of interesting spending trends, actually, over the start of, of the summer with the overall spend up 4% and spending on groceries up 3%. And, you know, a lot of people now are using the old digital wallet or the tap and go and the contactless so they can track payments and trends in payments an awful lot faster now. But that's just a by the way. It seems that, um, you know, uh, good weather lifts all boats, as the fellow says. More tragedy, though, unfortunately. And this is the death of a father and son in Turkey. It was their last day of their holiday. And I heard yesterday they were just going out on the moped to pick up one or two messages before they packed up to come home from their holidays in Turkey. I'm talking about Owen Fitzpatrick, 36 years old, and his son Dylan, aged 10, from County Leash, died when their moped hit a bus near Alanya in Turkey. And their mam, who's in Ireland, is now on her way, or at least was last night, on her way, jetting to Turkey. Um, it's, it's just awfully, awfully sad. The headlines in the Red Tops this morning, killed on the last day of the halls. The star says, Mum's tears for hall tragedy boy, aged 10. She said he was the kindest child who died with his dad in the moped smash. Dad and son killed in Hall's moped horror is the front of the mirror today. Absolutely heartbreaking. And the mum is quoted as saying, I'm just glad that they're together, my smallest boy. It's awfully, awfully sad. And, you know, we also had the death of Deepa Dinamani um, at the weekend on, on Friday uh, in the south side in the Bishopstown, Wilton, pardon my apologies, the Wilton area of Cork. Her brother... Um, his uh, to travel to Ireland this week and will organise the repatriation of his sister's body. Family are absolutely in shock. Um, tragic Deepa's brother flies in. It's a story making the sun today. Olivia Kelleher says Deepa, a native of Kerala, was pronounced dead at the home that she shared with her husband and son in Wilton and Cork last Friday night. Now her son was over at another pal's house and when um, when the, when Deepa didn't come to pick him up, the family went round wondering... Was everything okay? And of course, then the shock horror uh, was uh, was of course uh, witnessed by uh, by people who came to check on the house. Um, incidentally, Rajan Rajan, who was the husband of Deepa, forty um, one year old, um, subsequently uh, charged with her murder. So very sad family coming over from India to repatriate their sisters body. Um, the Children's Hospital, uh, th- I think this is the first time that I've seen any kind of talk at all about um, BAM losing the contract or, you know, the government taking the contract back from BAM. But it's mentioned in the front page of the Star today where senior unnamed cabinet sources said to the Irish Daily Mail that while ending the contracts with BAM could not be ruled out, um, it would uh, lead to further delays and greater uncertainty about the hospital when it would open. Now, the amount of money is eye-watering as it is, and it just keeps on climbing. Now, BAM have said, and I don't know, it seems like a he said, she said, with regards to the children's hospital, BAM are saying that they're doing the best they can, words to the effect of, they are doing the best they can, and they are doing what they've been asked to do, but people keep on changing the plans all of the time. And that's why everything is... 
I suppose, to the average punter seems to be chaotic and way over budget. But there's a serious rift between the board and the builders and it's only getting worse. We have um, we own problems with buildings here on Leaside. In the Echo this morning, it quotes the Fianna Fáil councillor, Sean Martin. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't a peep out of any of these councillors two or three weeks ago. None of them were talking about this until the residents decided to go public and talk to the media. And everybody's scrambling now. Uh, to be seen to be doing the right thing. Um, But at least uh, Sean Martin is saying that he favours the demolition of all of those flats, that entire flat complex and maybe even more. And the residents be moved to new accommodation um, until their former homes are rebuilt and then they'll have the option to move back in again. But the ones that are there need to be knocked down. So we'll have to wait and see if they deliver on that promise or any promise or actually do anything at all. When you look at the derelict buildings issues that we have on the North Main Street, 62, 63, 64 and 65, uh, they are in a seriously ruinous and dangerous uh, condition. Now, there's those four buildings, um, and Owen English in this morning's examiner says, they have come to symbolise the blight of dereliction in Cork City. And it's, they're still stuck in a legal wrangle about title of one of the properties. That's why they're just sitting there, an eyesore and a danger, and nothing is happening with them. Uh, I think that they were a compulsory purchase order at one stage, um, but they will remain vacant and derelict until the issue regarding title is resolved. And then the buildings can be taken over completely. And I guess... I don't know, is there some sort of a protection order against the front of them with regards to uh, maybe a heritage ruling or something? But something's got to be done with them for a lot of different reasons. One of them, of course, very much so safety. You know um, you know the kind of taxes that you're paying on your car, your motor car, your petrol or your diesel or what have you? That could actually get higher. And the reason for it, according to the Irish Times today, is because more and more people are driving electric cars. I know. They never kind of joined the dots up when they started to give grants to people to buy electric cars and put in electric uh, charges and what have you. Joining up the dots would have told them, you're actually going to make less money from diesel and petrol because more people are going to be plugging in. So they're thinking now, hmm, how do we get more money in? Well, we could put in a congestion charge and charge people to come into cities like they do in the UK and in America and places like that. But we could also just increase taxes because apparently they're lost, they've lost now one and a half billion in lost revenue every year because too many, because too many people are driving electric cars. You couldn't make it up. Somebody did make this up. It's a Tinder page for Richard Satchwell. It's not his. Uh, the star got in touch with them to say, are you on Tinder? He says, no, it's not me. It's fake. So somebody set up a fake Tinder page uh, to the uh, husband of missing Tina Satchwell. And he said to be horrified that anybody would set up a fake Tinder page in his name using his photograph and the photographs of his dogs, one of which has passed away. Meanwhile, of course, six years on and hundreds of lines of inquiry and the Gardaí unable to find any trace of Tina Satchwell whatsoever. Um, and uh, Richard, who tends to want to stay away from the media these days, according to the star, uh, says that he believes at some stage and hopes and prays at some stage that Tina will get in touch. Papers also this morning a talk of an interesting one in the UK. I won't drill into this much because it's kind of technical and hard to follow. But I think in, in the UK, they have some kind of a system where they cap the amount of children you can get children's allowance for. And in some cases in the UK, you can only get children's allowance for the first two children. If you have three, four, five, six, ten, twelve 
came across a family once in the south side that 21 children, which is 21 children's allowances. That would never be allowed in the UK, I think, with their caps. But um, apparently Labour were going to get rid of the cap on children's allowance. And now they've changed their mind. It's a, a Tory law by all accounts and they're getting behind it. So there's murder in the UK over that. But I was interested in it because would a cap on children's allowance fly here as a money saver for the government? Like first two children, you get children's allowance. Anything after that? you got to fend for yourself. You'd be seriously inaccurate if you, for instance, had twins. You'd be in big trouble then. So you'd have the twins <laughs> and that would be your children's allowance quota gone forever. Um, I see that Killian Murphy's coming home for the halls and he's coming to Cork and then we'll spend a lot of time in both Cork and Kerry. I won't give up hoping to chat with him at some stage um, because I just think he is just such a superstar. He's re- recommending, though, if you want to go and see Oppenheimer, to go and see it in the IMAX because the film was designed for the IMAX. A bit like Mission Impossible, what I did see on Friday afternoon down in Mahan. You would need to see Mission Impossible on the big screen in the IMAX. There are some incredibly powerful scenes. I won't spoil it for any, anybody, but can I just say one thing? Um, there is some fairly long sequences, film sequences on the Orient Express or what's left of the Orient Express after they're finished with it. <laughs> and I see also Barbie gets reviewed in the Pop Harry nuked on today. And the UK Times gives it four out of five stars. Why would you give Barbie four out of five stars? Anyway, I don't want to sound like some kind of a uh, an intellectual artistic snob if you're into Barbie, go for it. But they are saying that the only reason that Barbie would four stars or the only reason that Barbie is actually worth going to is because of the, of the Kennergy, the Kennergy in the film. Apparently, Ryan Gosling and Ken save the day. Um, did you ever think that when you're into a restaurant and you're looking at the menu that you automatically avoid anything that says vegetarian or vegan? Some kind of switch goes off in my head when I see it. It probably equates with vegetarian not tasty. Do not order. Point I'm making here is that if you took away the label vegetarian or vegan on a menu in a restaurant, you probably would have more people eating the food because we look at it and we automatically dismiss it straight away and we go to mains and we go to grills and we go to pastas and we go to pizzas and we go to steaks. So take it off the menus the word vegan or vegetarian, just put it down as the food that it is and apparently more people will actually buy it, eat it and enjoy it. Have you heard of fubbing? Do you know what fubbing is? No, 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 I said fubbing. P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. It is a new phenomenon. It is the phenomenon of somebody messing with their phone while talking to you, having a conversation while looking at their screen, particularly within relationships. It's not only rude, according to psychologists, it's also possible that it will wreck your relationship. Scrolling messages or watching videos during real-life conversations was found to be a major irritant amongst married couples. And I thought it was eating potato crisps in bed. Or is that the one you wouldn't throw them out for? Can't remember. But anyway, this one is called fubbing, right? It's a lover's no-no. Talking to your partner and also... I mean, I couldn't do this because I'm going to do one thing at a time. Women are much better at multitasking. So I say more women do this than men. That they can be fubbing with their phone while talking to their partner and doing other things at the same time as well. (laughs) 
but fubbing. What wrecks your head with regards to your partner? Text 0868104106 because fubbing can wreck your relationship. Papers also this morning, of course, rightly so, talk about the girls in green and the first kick of the ball will be this time, almost this time, tomorrow morning, 11am kickoff against the Australians and the Echo have a lovely little article on Denise Sullivan's mum, Nula, and her daughters and uh, Nula with her daughters, Melissa and Sinead, ready to support the great Denise O'Sullivan as Ireland's World Cup journey. Well, it's already underway, the journey, but it kicks off for real tomorrow morning. And of course, I'm told there are different pubs and venues who are putting on the matches live. So I'll have more on that throughout the morning. Promise you that. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Yesterday we were talking about people's driving habits and have more calls on that throughout the morning. But, you know, the Guardians are going to have their own. It's their Facebook page, lads, isn't it, where the Guardi post all of their different alerts and things like that. There was a funny one yesterday in Mitchellstown with a photograph by... Um, uh, the Garda Shikona of the offending car with its end plate up there and it said, photograph of the car, right, parked in a, dis- in a disability spot. Garda in Mitchellstown called foul yesterday when they spotted this car in a disabled parking bay without a permit displayed. The driver just popped in for a game of pool nearby but got snookered by the blue and yellow. That game just cost them €150. Euro. I love the way they write their prose and their narrative to tell us the story of a €150 euro fine for parking in a disability spot. And right next to him, of course, is um, the Traffic Corps Jeep, uh, the blue and yellow. So 150 He got rightly snookered. And from other means of transport, thank you to Paul, who sent me this lovely screen grab. It says, Meanwhile, on a bus in Galway, 20-plus excited Spanish students got on and instantly killed the silence with their Spanish exuberance. Two American tourists who were seated behind me commented that it's lovely to hear the locals speaking Gaelic. (laughs) I said nothing, Sissy. Thank you for that. (laughs) Brighten my day. Uh, Can I get straight to business, actually? Because there was an incredible lifeboat call out in the past 24, 36 hours. Really and truly, Court McSherry or an ally all-weather lifeboat was called out just before midnight uh, Monday night by the Valencia Coast Guard Marine Rescue to go to the aid of a 29-foot yacht which had suffered mast, power and mechanical difficulties. I think, I believe the mast had snapped uh, so they were in big trouble, 69 miles south of Cork McSherry in Cork. That is a fair distance now uh, for lifeboats to travel um, um, and to get out of their beds in the middle of the night and get on and get down there and get out there that fast. But enough of me on the story. I got Mark Gahan, uh, Gahan who's the coxswain at uh, Cork McSherry Northern Line. Mark, good morning. Uh, good morning, Niall. How are you, buddy? I, I'm good, my man. A fabulous job. Well done. Can I, can I just ask you about that distance? That distance is significant, I'm told, is it? Well, I suppose uh, we ended up closer to the Scilly Islands than we were to Court McSherry. But, um, and the boats can move on now, you know. They're not like the old, the old lifeboats. You know, the, our new lifeboat, the Shannon class, can do uh, over 29 knots. Where, but where were, they, where were they going? Were they going to the UK or were they heading across the Irish Sea and, and south to France or what? No, they were heading to the Scilly Isles. They were what? heading down to the Scilly Isles and then on to, on to, on to France. On to you know? France, okay. Two members on board. So what is it that happened? Did they, they got into trouble and sell, sent up flares, is it? Well, they, they, they had tra- a problem with their rigging and with their sails. And then when they tried the engine then, they, um, they had mechanical problems and, um, and electrical problems as well. So, you know, we're back to the old-fashioned uh, flares again, you know, which was great. He fired the flares and um, 
An Irish fishing trawler uh, noticed uh, or saw the red flares, and then he put out a mayday on the on his handheld VHF. And the uh, the trawler responded and uh, stood by him until we arrived. Okay, so what was the weather conditions like at sea? Uh, going out, uh, we launched at around twelve, uh, about midnight on the Monday night, and um, there, there was a fine a fine south southwest swell there. Winds about four five to six. You know, as as we got out, as we got out, um, you know, as we cleared the land, it kind of got a bit worse. All right, uh, but it was nothing for the boat, really. To be honest with you, know. Okay, so it 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 wasn't it wasn't so bad that lives were in risk. Were they? No, like like we didn't we didn't slow down at all anyway. So so it wasn't that bad, you know. Uh, yeah. So you so you got there sixty nine miles into the Irish Sea at like what three in the morning, three fifteen? How long did it take? Yeah, How long three, does it? Yeah, around three. Yeah, but three fifteen in the morning, we were we were. Um, we were covering about, we were about 24 knots over the ground. Uh, yeah, speed over the ground, about 24, 25 knots. We're there just over three hours. And yeah. how quick is the call, how quick is it from call out to getting on board and getting to sea? How quickly does that happen? Well, our response time is, is we, we say it's, uh, it's half an hour, but generally speaking, it's about 10 to 15 minutes from when the pages go off now to when we're aboard the boat ready to go. Which is which is a fair fair achievement, all right. And how many on board the Ornelay out of Court Mac? There's on the Shannon now. There's six of a crew, um, and well, most crew would be from Court McSherry. I was going to ask you, do they have far the distance Paris, to travel you know? to get to the boat? Ah, uh, three four miles would be kind of you know that'd be about the radius really of our of our kind of a crew catchment area. Okay, for so, three miles. Yeah. So yeah. when you got to the stricken uh, yacht, two on board, I believe, is that right? Yeah, there was two two um, two crew on board the yacht. Yeah, I imagine every time you do a rescue like that, they're very glad to see you. Ah, uh, look, you know, when things go wrong at sea, like it, everything happens quite fast. You know, you know, it's like um, it's typical. You know, you have problems with your sails, and and then you put down your sails, and you say, okay, we'll start the engine, and we'll start motoring. The weather's getting bad, then the engine. You know, you have problems with the mechanical problems with the engine then as well, like. Sometimes these all these things happen together, you know. And where did the where did the yacht go out of? Was it out of Cork originally? No, it was out of Cork, actually. actually. Out of uh, Cork, Mac. Okay. He's a local. He's a friend of mine, actually. Yeah, yeah. Dennis Boyle. I heard that he That's he's right, been yeah. he's been two years fitting her out. I think did he? The Menace is the yacht's name. The Menace. That's right. Yeah, he's and he's made a lovely job. But uh, the boat actually is a credit to him in fairness, you know. Yeah, yeah. Very disappointing for him to have to come back, though. I hope I hope he'll try again. What do you think? Oh, I, I hope he does as well. I hope he tries again. And uh, look at you know these things happen. It can happen to anybody. Anything can happen at sea. It's, uh, wasn't it exactly. lucky? Wasn't it lucky exactly. they had flares on board though? Exactly. You know, um, you t- you hear a lot about flares. though. some some agents fire them off beaches and all that at parties and barbecues. Yeah. But um, we are we always answer um, if we hear that, that a flare has been sighted. We would always launch and investigate. So who was on board? And, uh, who was on board with you, Mark? Was it Dave Phillips? Ken Cashman, yeah, Tyg McCarthy, Dennis right. Murphy and Donal Young. That's right. You have them all there, yeah. You and you're back them, now yeah. on standby waiting for your next call out to go to the rescue of yeah. others. Yeah, she's back on the moorings now ready for, ready for the next uh, call out whenever ha- it happens, yeah. Have you had a busy summer so far, I wonder, Mark? No, no, it's been quite enough, actually. We've only had with, it, with our new vessel now, the, the Val Adams. We've had, uh, this is our third call. Um, I would imagine the weather's been so bad. Well, not really bad, but the weather's been very, I suppose, unsettled, really. There hasn't been a really kind of a, a nice summer 
feel to the to the weather. You know, you know the last while. I know. So apart from that, apart from that, that last that three week period, you remember that? That's it was right. Just, That's oh, right. Yes. So a lot of people aren't using their boats. To be honest with you, yeah, the boats are just tied up and and down their moorings around their boats. You know, I suppose they're going out. I suppose like there's we met some yachts arrived in Cork Mac here and they were hoping to get down to Dingle, and um, they've stayed in Cork Sherry. And they've only come from, we say, Cork or from Watford or whatever. Like. And they're welcome they're there. That, because, yeah. because of the wind. And they're, we- and, yeah, and, they're we- and they're welcome there that they may spend the money in Court Mac and not in Dingle, exactly, I would think. Exactly, we, we don't mind at all. Not at all, <laughs> you know? no, sir. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to toast, touch base with you uh, because, um, you know, people take a lot of things for granted. And one thing that shouldn't be taken for granted is the likes of your good self and the RNLI and how quickly you can get to see and save lives. Thank you so much, Mark. Look after yourselves and all of the crew. No, man, I'll text you the call. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Mark Ahan, the coxswain on the Cortmec Sherry lifeboat. Um, you know, he's talking about people getting out and about. And, you know, I'm giving away lots of different family passes to different tourist attractions right across the county. I'll have more of those again this morning. But I'm happy to say that Shandon, Shandon Tidy Towns got in touch with me. They say, we hear you're promoting local tourist attractions. We're the Shandon Area Renewal Association. They've actually developed a free audio tour of the Shandon area, specifically for Shandon alone, and asked me to give them a shout-out. Now, the audio tour starts uh, on the Shandon footbridge down by the Lee, and it's got 23 different waypoints, you know, as in the seafaring terms. Waypoint would be um, 23 different locations covering historic buildings and the famous people who lived in the area. Now, if you want to take the tour, and I would recommend it, you need to set aside an hour. It takes an hour to complete the tour. And you can be accessed by typing into Shandon, walkingshandon.ie into Google, walkingshandon.ie. Um, so you got a little headset into your smartphone and off you go. Uh, it's absolutely free and you'll come across all the different plaques. There are 11 of them um, by the artists Liam and Ethna Ring. Um, and they're beautiful ones that tell you all about the different areas that you're going to and the audio tour will fill you in on your entire walk it'll take you a, about an hour to do the Walking Shandon tour so further details at walkingshandon.ie so anybody else that's doing things like that and that's a great initiative do get in touch and let me know and we're happy to share it as we head across the summer text 0868104106 just very quickly because I had a little bit of trouble there for a few minutes trying to contact the skipper on that yacht Dennis Boyle yeah, but I believe I have him now I think his phone just literally died and he was trying to charge it up again Dennis good morning Good morning. How are you, boys? Talk, just talking to Mark Gann- Gannon there, one of the RNLI who went out to rescue you. You're back on land? Yeah, I'm tied up here below Court McSherry. I'm just trying to sort out a few problems, going to get the engine started again, you know? I know what you're saying. Um, we were just chatting about the fact that you did a great job on the yacht because you took you set two years aside to fit her out. Was she in bad nick originally? Yeah, it was, um, it was sitting below Kilmacsherry in Boatyard. It was... Um, it was a good project. It was a lockdown project, you know. I wouldn't have done it if um, having the time now would work, but with um, with everything that was on during the lockdown, we had time. You yeah. had the time. You did a beautiful job in it, the lads were telling me. What what happened? What was the plan? The two of you were heading out of Court Mac and your destination, France, was it? That's right, and everything was going well. And we were sailing along, and we took down the mainsail during the day because we were overpowered. So we were lying on the headsail. And we were just sitting cruising along, happy out. And the next thing, I just heard a, a loud bang. And the head sail came out of the track. And it was flying out in front of the boat, like a spinnaker, you know, way out in front of the boat. Yeah, yeah. And then just then the conditions deteriorated. And, when you say um, deteriorated, are you talking about 
uh, high winds, is it? Well, the wind was getting stronger and stronger, and I was literally about to reef the head sail. But it was getting near dark, so I was going to reef it down, because at night you don't want to be overpowered if a gust comes. And I, um, My colleague was down below having a cup of tea, and we were always good. And then when the, the sail popped out of the track, then everything just, it was just more freeze after that. It was one problem after another. You call it brown underpants stuff. What happened after the sail? Well, I said what I'll do is I'll turn on the engine and then we'll take the sail down or we'll motor. I turned on the engine and it was literally just ticking and ticking and ticking and it wasn't kicking in fully. So we tried changing the battery out then and there must have been a wiring issue. I can't see it from where I am, but that's why I'm getting my electrician today. But it was literally the second battery wouldn't take, so... And we know, then all the power went on the boat and we had no radio, which made it brown underpants time then because once we had no radio, we were really goosed, you know. You're just floating there unbeknownst to anybody, uncontactable. Well, we, we, had, we still had our so-called spinnaker up and we were going way too fast, you see. We were, we were, it was taking us. We went from four knots up to eight knots. We were literally flying over the tops of the waves and... I knew we'd be killed if we kept going at that rate. So we when had you say killed, down, so. is, is that where you, as in capsize? We thought, no, no, there was no fear of it capsizing. I mean, like, we didn't know where we'd end up because we had no control as to the direction of the boat at that stage. Where are you? Like 69, 70 miles into the RC yeah, at that yeah. stage? So I said the best thing to do now is kill all the speed, take the sail down, and try and get a mayday out. So we took the... My colleague went down and went out the front hatch of the boat while the waves were crashing over. He got drunk with, and he was hanging on for dear life. And I said, right, I'm dropping the sail. So he got hold of it. He literally pulled it in as far as he could, but it was kind of hanging over the front of the boat and got stuck in all sorts of rigging. So then we said, "Is right, that this. I'm um, batting down all the hatches now. And we, I got the handheld radio and started, I pressed the red button to put out a mayday. And um, there was no one coming back on the radio because the range wasn't long enough. Yeah. Long, the VHF on the boat was down, so I was using the handheld VHF. It hasn't, it hasn't got a long range. No, you're too far out to sea. Too far out. Yeah. Uh, then I said we get a flare, we try and pop a flare because we could see lights in the distance. We knew there was fishing boats in the area. So I popped the flare and there was no response. So I gave it five minutes, we tried another one. And then I said, right, just give it five minutes and surely someone will see us this time. And I was still up in the back of the boat waving the flare and I got a response from um, a fishing boat from Castle Home Bear who said they spotted our flare. Well, how did they respond? Uh, is it radio response? They radio, yeah, they came back in Channel 16 and said, do we see a mayday off to our port side? And I said, that's us. Can you see our location? And he said, you can see us on the radar. I want you to pick us up on radar. Then he said, could you please um, forward our location to Valencia Lifeboat and get help out here, you know? How long did it take before the RNLI out of Court Mac Sherry arrived to you? I think it was about three hours. No, I can't remember, Neil. I don't know. I know, but is it, is, it, is it a long, does it feel like a long three hours? It was a very, very long time. We were both sitting down in the boat. Um, and I was lucky I had everything packed away and screwed down because anything that wasn't tied down went flying around, you know? Wow, wow. What's it like when you see the RNLI powering through the water coming towards you? Well, I'd be quite honest with you know, Neil, it was like four o'clock in the morning. I couldn't see much. Of course, it's black. But, but I could see the light coming because like, they were up and down the waves. You could see them and then they'd be disappear. Then you'd look and then the, our boat would spin around. So there was no point looking because we couldn't see them because our boat was... I was holding on to the tiller trying to get a sense of direction, you know? Yeah, I know. Totally disorientated. But they arrived. Exactly. And they towed yeah. you back to Court McSherry. 
they threw a line on so I crawled up the side of the boat to get the lines on as you can imagine all that with winds and the waves there was no point trying to stand up so I crawled up my hands and knees and attached the line and jumped back into the cockpit and he got us on the toe and then we were like I think it was like 10 or 14 or whatever many hours coming back to court Michelle then. how many hours? I think it was like 14 hours wow 14 so firing up their engine and they're just they're just moving off there now they're like what Amazing that that would be happening yeah. as we speak. So fourteen hours the tow was back into Court McSherry. Um, yeah, yeah, oh, and I'd say immense relief. Well, she listened when we got back in. It was like just fantastic because you couldn't you couldn't do or see anything when you're out there because it was pouring rain and it was dark and it was just holding on, you know. Yeah, I know. It's disappointing though that you'd put so much effort into something that it ends so I quickly. Know, it's no. Not- no? Okay. Listen, it's just a quick repair job and we'll get going again, you know? Are you Before planning to re- are you planning to restart, yeah? Oh well I think there's a weather window, but I think it's it's not gonna last. We were we were hoping to be there and do our trip from the cities down to France now, but the weather window's gonna close in a couple of days and there's more bad weather coming, so we'll have a look at it again in a week or two and okay. hopefully we'll uh, we'll jump back on and get it going. Because, like everything was going fine until Buffy's law kicked in and everything went wrong at the same time. Everything was going fine until everything, everything went wrong. <laughs> and then everything went right and the life was turned up. So right, yeah. All right. Well, off you go with your repairs then. It certainly hasn't deterred your spirit. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, it's good. And you can hear the life in the background. I know they're just um, taking a few with locals here out for an old day trip around the harbour. They're great that way looking after the locals and keeping people's spirits up and keeping the keep the donations running to the lifeboat days, you know, it's always helpful any of you, Bob, and I'd be putting them in my will anyway, you know. Fair play to you, boy. Write them into the will. Well done. Listen, yeah, have, yeah. have a great trip as and when it happens, and if you get yeah. a, if you get a few minutes, if you put if you get a few minutes, send us a text and let us know how you're getting on. I will, of course. I will, of course. Thanks for the call. I'm going home to my bed now. Anyway. You're okay. dead right. Get a good fry up and head to bed. Take it easy. Well done. Talk Safe Thanks home. For the call, Thank you. All the best, Dennis. Take care. Dennis Boyle uh, from The Menace. Um, well, they had a bit of a menacing condition there for uh, a spell, but of course were rescued by the Court McSherry RNLI. But we'll head to see again. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Brenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. We are 25 hours and 17 minutes away from kickoff. Yes, indeedy. I don't need to remind Sinead O'Sullivan that, Denise O'Sullivan's sister, because she's probably counting the minutes and seconds as well. Sinead, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? 25 hours and 17 minutes. It can't come fast <laughs> enough for you, I'd say. What? Oh, my God. We're buzzing. Buzzing. Oh, and my she, God. And she's playing. Look. Yeah, it should be. You knew it all along. I knew, I knew she'd be. I knew she would. Look, you know what? Um, obviously, at the start, it was big. You know, it was kind of, was it broken or was it? But look, as time went on, she rested it and... Being Denise, the underdog and the little terrier that she is, I knew she'd be back. I knew she would. Well, Rory was saying to me. Rory was saying to me on air yesterday morning when he was reading the sports that she is she is very much the kingpin on the pink, kingpin on the team and needs to play. You know, she's oh central to everything. She does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Denise is kind of the mind of the game, isn't she? You know, so um, 
we're buzzing, we're buzzing. She's they've they've landed in Sydney, so oh my god, I just seen a video of them there actually. All the Irish fans welcome them in, and it's amazing, isn't it? Unbelievable. Isn't it? Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So we're just up now, and we're just bringing the banners down to the Maradike and getting things prepped for it. You know. Why am so, I hearing a lot? Why am I hearing a lot about the Woolshed Pub tomorrow? What's the story? Well, that's that's where we're do. That's where we're hosting the first match, but the second one. Then, see, see, I'd say I think people got a little bit confused because initially we were the second game we advertised in Murphy's Rock. Yeah, and then we were going to go to the Marina Markets for the first one, but that all got we decided not to and said we'd go to the Wilshire, the Maradake town. So that's where that's at. And yeah, we're all going in there. There's, there's a good, good, good loads going in. So it's actually, I was just on the phone from there and they're, they're booking out like it's, it's getting Really? I love that buzz. It reminds yeah, me of 1994. Yeah. Yeah, do you know what? Now I was only speaking to someone about that. Will it go? 94? Is it going to be like 94? I think it will. Yeah. Or even even <laughs> 90 would be better. We went further in 90. <laughs> Um, but yeah. it, listen, it's just great to be talking about people getting together and big screens and pubs and pints at 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Brilliant, isn't it? It's great. Like, I mean, come on. Oh, my God. So is this, yeah. this so the Woolshed is the place to be. Is it open to the public yeah. tomorrow? Um, yeah, and you have, actually, you have to, I think you have to book with them, though, because it's getting so busy now that day. You have to book a table, so, but, yeah, it's open to the, yeah, it's open to the public, so. Oh, my God. Everyone's welcome, so it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be kicking, like it's going to be kicking. <laughs> how many? How many of the O'Sullivan family will be there? <laughs> um, I'd say I would say about sixty. Yes, 60, 60, 60. 60. So you know, and whoever else is going to join us after that, yeah, you know. So <laughs> I keep bringing the marriage. Like, I keep adding numbers. You know, they're like, all right, okay, okay, you know, okay, that's grand, brilliant. Sure, they're thrills. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean. Well, my kids have be hosting it in their own bar itself. It's amazing, isn't it? You know? I'm, send, I'm sending oh. Kevin from the team here down there tomorrow morning to sample the atmosphere. Not to sample the bev, but to sample the atmosphere, <laughs> right? So, Maybe one. <laughs> so you, you look after him for me, all right? I know you have enough to I be will doing. So Austra- I will, of course. So Australia, Ireland tomorrow at 11. Is the Canadian match the second one and the Nigerian match the third? Yeah, exactly. So Murphy's Rock for the, the second one, which will be... Uh, one o'clock and we're going to be up there at 12 o'clock so um, everyone if they can come up and join us it's going to be it's good that will be another amazing day third one we haven't decided we're going to where we're going to we're going to see how the games go and make a plan then do you get what I mean so, I do I know exactly what you mean but you know, what, what, what yeah. g- give me give me your results tomorrow predict the result for me oh uh, <laughs> I'll only I can't I'll be drinking this no, no I'm going to wait Um we've Oh, God, one nil. One nil, I'm thinking. Two, one. one nil to Ireland. One nil to Ireland. One will do. <laughs> one will do. <laughs> will you be nervous? Will you be nervous? Yeah, I'm nervous already. Yeah. To be honest, I'm nervous from already. Yeah, of course. You know, I mean, they're in a stadium of eighty-five people, eighty-five thousand. Well, alone. Even that would frighten you, wouldn't it? You know. Yeah, I mean, you so, know what? You're so right. And and a lot of those, of course, will be Irish descent. It is in Australia, after all. It is, exactly, you know. So, I mean, uh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be nervous from, but again, exciting. And I think what they're, they'll go in nervous, but as soon as they get in the pitch, that'll go to the window, their focus is the game then, so. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, you know. Yeah, Yeah. because you want want her to have the game of her life, of course. We all do. 
We all do. Of course, yeah, and all the, and all the girls, you know, they're amazing, all of them. Okay. Amazing. Okay, how's yeah. how, how's ma'am, Nula? How's she's she? great. Yeah? She's great. My mum is, is very relaxed. We're doing the running around and my mum's sitting, sitting down and taking it all in. I see you all, all togged out in the, in the Irish gear in the Echo this morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fit well. it, yeah. Yourself and yeah, Melissa yeah. and your mum, Nula. Yeah. All right, well, Nula. get a good night's sleep if you can sleep. I know, I know. Thanks for taking the call again. You're very good. We'll talk and I'll again. See you, I'll see you tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah, Kevin's coming your way. We're going to tape it up and have some fun. So anybody, thanks Sinead. Mind yourself. Take Bye. care. Take, Take care. Sinead O'Sullivan, Denise O'Sullivan's sister. So the woolshed is the place to be tomorrow morning. But as she rightly said, you would really need to book ahead, lads, because it's going to fill up fast if it hasn't done so already. Um, I don't know. It's the kickoff's at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. So if you got a table, I suppose, be there for half ten or whatever the case may be. And if I know the woolshed, there'll be real kicking food as well because they do great food. Uh, so anyway, that's it's great to be talking about, you know, the anticipation of big games and World Cups, isn't it? It's like the old days and the big screens and what have you. Anyway, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yes, indeedy. Text 0868104106. And that's exactly what people are doing. Uh, we were talking about prices of things. Uh, 385 for a flat white coffee. Others talking about how much was that um, little bottle of wine again up at the airport? Can we remember? It was, was it 10, maybe 11 euro for the small little bottle? Uh, I went for a night out in, the, on, in town on Friday. It was a great night. It all went well, except for when I looked at my online banking the next morning to see that a city bar, Reardon's, is charging 17 euro 20 for a Coke and two shorts. Charging 7 euro for a short is absolutely over the top and will only drive people away. I have no idea what a short would cost, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and I don't even know, would that have been a vodka? Would it have been a gin? Would it have been tequila? Would it have been some kind of rum or whatever? I have paid, though, for people who drink gin and tonic, 10, 11 and 12 euro for some of those really fancy Dan gins uh, with a, a tonic. So what would a short be? Uh, I, I, I don't know. If, is that dear? 7 euro for the actual short itself? Um, it means that uh, 17, 7 and 7 is 14 means that the Coke then comes in at €4.20. But anyway, one of the points there actually is that the amount of people that tap and actually don't know the cost of things when they tap, it's the next morning that he or she realised exactly how much they paid for two shorts and a Coke, €17.20, because they checked their online. Um, anyway, response from Cork Airport, right? Because I was sent a photograph of a transaction at one of the cafes there. One carrot cake, four fifty. One Americano, €3.00. The cup levy, I'm still not convinced about this cup levy, 20 cent. And the small bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon, 11 euro. Now, you'd get full bottles of that in the off-license or in a supermarket for less than 11 euro. But the small little ones, you know the little ones, you screw off the top yourself, 11 euro. And the person who sent me that bill said it is completely over the top to pay that kind of money. So we contacted Cork Airport and Cork Airport has verified that they have engaged in direct communication with the concession stand who operates the cafe, or indeed, I suppose that would be the people who lease the space, who has the cafe, um, at which the small bottle of wine was recently purchased. And the concessionaire has agreed to review pricing with immediate effect. 
meaning uh, that because of you contacting me with the receipt and you thinking that 11 euro for the small bottle is over the top, that will now be rectified and they will be reducing the price of the small bottle of wine. By how much, I don't know, but I will come back to you when I find that out. But it just goes to show that people power works uh, and consumers um, bringing things to, say, the attention of this programme, for instance, can make a difference. So do get in touch yourselves. If you have a story to share, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. For obvious reasons, I can't come on air out of fear from one of the people involved. I had been talking about Barrick Street the other day because there was another vicious attack in, involving iron bars and, I believe, hatchets and all sorts of things yet again on a Friday evening. Um, can't come on air because of fear of reprisals, but I know and have experienced the fear that people are put in in the Balafihan area and beyond. One of the guys in Barrick Street is causing havoc around Cork City and the Barrick Street incident is causing havoc around Cork City and nothing nor no one seems to be stopping him or his family. They've been reported to the Gardaí on numerous occasions for threatening people, innocent victims. Several reports have been made to the Gardaí about one of this gang's members and they are still walking the streets. Only recently, a particular man had weapons taken off him as he was heading to intimidate a vulnerable family. Why can't they just take him off the street before a life will ultimately lost? They had more videos up the day before yesterday online showing the injuries from this feud and fright on the feud and fight on Friday night. A hatchet injury, I believe, they were showing online. Yeah, I, I actually saw the video. And they were only laughing in the video, calling for more. All of this feuding has been brought to the attention of Toka Gardi several times over. I would love if you were able to see the amount of complaints they have gone, that have gone to the Gardaí regarding this one particular family in Balafihan. Nothing seems to be done and probably won't be done until a life is lost. Is that what it must take? So thank you for that text. Um, uh, there's some more information with regards to certainly that uh, attack on Barrick Street that involved some kind of a feud. All too often it's family feuds, isn't it, lads? Anyway, one quick call this side of, of, of 10 o'clock. Louise, good morning. Hi, how are you? I've never seen such a response in a long time to people who park in uh, parent and child spaces or disability spaces um, or others who get grief because they're entitled to park there although they may not have visual disabilities. Is that what you wanted to pick up on, your son Tommy? Yeah, my son, he's got hip disability, so he's in a cast, you know, from like his, let's say, his belly button down to his ankles, and his legs are spread, so, um, you know, I can't really, like, if I'm parking in a normal parking space, I can't get him out, because you can't really squeeze him through the door, because his legs don't move in. <laughs> How long is he going to be in that cast? Because I see a photograph of him in it, and it looks rather uncomfortable. Yeah, so he's actually been in and out of them since, he was five months old, um, so both of his hips were out of place when he was born, um, so they're clicking and out. Um, so he's had three surgeries, and this is his seventh cast. So he should be in this one for six weeks, and then he should be okay then. But um, The hips will settle down into place, is it, Louise? Yeah, so like he first, first day, like um, when he was five months, they like put his hips into place, and then they casted him. Um, he was in that for 12 weeks, and then he was out of it for a couple of months, and then he went back in. They put, that fixed the left hip, the first cast. Yeah, and the okay. right hip, they have to um, they shave the bone um, shave the bone down and put his right hip in place, and then wow. he was casted for another 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, then he came out of that, and he was out of that for a couple of months, and then he went back for a checkup, 
and his pelvis didn't grow around the hip like it should, so there was a gap at the bottom, so they actually had to do bone reconstruction. Oh, my God, so he's been through the wars, fortune. Yeah. yeah, so he's been in a cast for seven weeks already, and okay. he should have another six weeks left in that, and then possibly another cast or a brace, depending how his hip heals, but this should be the end of it. Hopefully. But it's... Yeah, it's um, so difficult getting him in and out of the car and I have an eight-month-old as well on the other side. So with, with, <laughs> with, with, with your son, Tommy, and your eight-month-old, do you, get, do you get grief parking? Um, no, like a lot of people stare at him, all right. Like sometimes, um, like let's say in Ross Carberry there, there's no, obviously no mother and baby parking. There's one disability parking, which I park in sometimes if I can't find adequate parking for him. Um, like people do stare at me a lot until they see him in the cast and then they say nothing about it. But, um, but why are they staring? Do you use two spaces or what? Um, sometimes, yeah, yeah, it depends where I am. Like, but that's why like, they're staring, wondering why in the name yeah. of God is she hogging two spaces? Yeah, like you know, I'd have to park in the middle, or like I actually sometimes park in the disability if I can't find anywhere else to park because I need to be able to get him out and straight into the buggy because he is so heavy to carry. <laughs> I know. And do people say anything? No, nobody's ever actually said anything to me, but I, I do get a lot of stares. <laughs> oh, and how does that make you feel? People staring at you, looking at you? Just, like, uncomfortable because like, they don't know his situation. They just see a young girl, like, parking in a disability and nothing wrong with her. <laughs> young one with a kid that just doesn't give a damn is what they think. And of yeah, course it's a, yeah. million, it's a million miles from that. You've got enough going on as it is. Yeah, like, you know, he's in a special car seat and everything so it doesn't even turn so you just go like right into the car to pull him out of it. Um, and you need to like the door literally needs to be like wide open. But so have you ever been jammed anybody... in? Have you ever been jammed in where you can't get in or out with him? Yeah, quite a few times which I have to like pull the car out which is difficult when I'm on my own. Um, because I had generally have to like leave him in the buggy, quickly pull the car out and try to get them in. Oh um, my god! Leave him on the side but, of the road, reverse the car out, and put him in. Then, yeah, like you know, generally I have somebody with me, so that, like that's never actually. It's only happened once or twice. Like right. normally I have my mom or the father with me. Okay. Um, but okay. like it's hard to go anywhere by myself just in case. Like I can't get them in and out. Things take things people take for granted. Jumping in the car and going, you have to put an awful lot of planning and effort into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you know, like even in the. I go to the Douglas Village Shopping Centre, you know, every Thursday because their auntie works in the library there, so I bring them up. But the like the amount of times that I've been like driving up there, and then the mother and baby parkings are right there, and there's like people just parking in there that has absolutely no kids in their car whatsoever. Yeah, that's where we started yesterday morning. People doing that, and it led to a lot of other texts. Going to get another couple of texts here. I hope things improve, and they will improve for Tommy in time. But thanks for taking the call, Louise. Perfect, thank you. Take care of yourself. I'm a woman. I have three young boys, two in car seats, two. Well, I agree with uh, somebody's point on air yesterday morning with regards to one woman. I do feel she overstepped the mark. Fair enough. The chap in Wilton was way out of order with what he said to her. He said to her, oh, we're not going to go there, are we? When she questioned him about his parking. Um, And he deserves everything he gets. He actually damaged her car. But the learner driver... Come on, get a hold of yourself. Bishopstown Duns has tons of mother and baby spots and she was in one of them. It was, in fact, none of her business and a bit of compassion on her part wouldn't go amiss. We all have it to learn how to drive. That's somebody who's defending a learner driver um, who uh, reversed into 
a mother and baby spot because the person teaching the learner driver how to park um, and how to drive said they needed to use that space so he could learn how to reverse. Uh, except they got out of the car and went into the shop. Um, for those who think uh, they are ignorant enough to take this space from those who actually are entitled to it, uh, these are the situations you create. I went to Ballancolic Shopping Centre and all the child and parent spots were full, none of whom I saw parked had children. None of them. I parked in a normal spot that, at the time, had no cars on either side. But when I came out, my car was totally boxed in by two cars who were parked nearly on the line. I had no choice but to put my three-month-old baby in his rocket-tot car seat into the boot of the car while I reversed my car out far enough to then take him out of the boot and put him into his car seat. There's the consequences of bad parking. Back after 10. People went to an awful lot of effort yesterday to text. Uh, some might call it a first or a first world problem, uh, where people park and how people park. But there's a story behind everybody's, um, you know, life when it comes to parking or shopping or trying to get out with children and trying to do the right thing. In fact, this text came with a load of photographs of really bad, stupid parking. The way the world has gone mad with the quality, Neil. I want a parking space for single men. Da-dum. Cars are getting bigger, but car spaces stay the same size. I actually think the car spaces have got smaller, particularly in multi-storey car parks. They are just too tight. And the reason is to get as many cars in as you can, but trying to get in and out of them and not damage somebody else's car, that's the problem. But anyway, back to the text. I park in mother and baby spaces because idiots scrape my car. Now, disabled spaces are different, and that's why there are fines in place. They, these are all cars and vans parked on the new paving. These are the photographs. Parked on grass, parked on yellow lines, parked on the bubble pavement for the visually impaired, um, all in Blackrock Village. I'm saving these photographs, and I'm going to City Hall soon to see if they will help, because if cars parking on the new pavement, you can now see the bricks starting to crack and sag. The bollards are so far apart that cars can just drive in between them. And they send me photographs of Blackrock Village and the crazy parking down there. See, Blackrock Village has become so popular now. Uh, I agree with your caller regarding older people having to walk so far. Uh, My mum is 84 and I usually drop her off and then park the car myself. I saw age-friendly spaces recently in Cork. Thought they were a great idea. Actually, I saw a text here (coughs) talking about age-friendly spaces in Mitchellstown, I think, yeah, in Super Value in Mitchellstown. Back to the phone lines. Laura, good morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, we're talking about disability spaces then. Tell me your own story. Yeah, so um, basically, like, um, I'm just a mom of three children. And last year, after the birth of my last son, um, I had complications with epidural and they, it's after kind of... Um, like I'm asking nerve um, damage and you know a lot of complications from it so now um, my walking is actually very limited and um, I can't walk a long distance without so, severe pain is it? yeah with severe pain like yeah like every step is agony for me anyway but um, it's just that like I, will that pass though? Pass. This this complication with the epidural oh. and labour will it, will will that will it improve? I really hope so. It's been seventeen months now since my my son was born, and like to be honest, it's getting worse. So like I'm being like to neurosurgeons, 
you know, um, doctors, physios. <laughs> so Did you get the I epidural hope- in the wrong place or something? Um, no, well, I got the epidural, everything was going natural and everything like that. And like before this, like I had two other births like 10 years ago, six years ago and everything went perfect with the epidural. But um, it all kind of pooled on my right leg. So um, doctors and the nurses didn't think anything of it. And they said, oh, we give you, you know, we'll give you, we'll just move the catheter. And that goes into your back. So that was fine. And still nothing was happening on my left leg. I was getting all the contractions and everything on my left side. And then... um, Nightmare. Yeah, so then the anesthesiologist had to come back in a third time and he had to remove it and we put it back in again. And still the same thing happened. It all happened on the right leg. My right leg was completely, completely numb. Um, three doses of epidural and Three. my left side. Yeah, how many? Yeah. How many is it supposed to be? One is it? Only just one. Yeah. It's not as if you haven't enough to be going on. You must have been very. You up to ninety? I'd say were you? I was, but you know, at the time I just wanted my baby to come safely and you know yeah. to kind of go alright. So I said, look, I'll just put up with the pain and get on with it. So um, didn't think much of it. Had the baby. Baby was perfect and everything like that. And so now you have, I'm, this is severe pain, right? Can't walk long yeah. distances. So if you're in a supermarket, you clearly have the baby in tow, plus the other yeah. two children that you mentioned, and a trolley. Yeah. But you don't have a yeah. disability badge. No, so I'm not even claiming disability illness is a benefit, you know. So like, because they're not too sure what even is wrong with but me. All so somebody, I yeah, I know that, but all, all somebody will see is you with the, yeah. the baby Three and the two toddlers. And yeah, basically, and rocking up into a disability spot, I feel like I can't walk like more than like two minutes, you know, and then even for a trolley of shopping or anything, you know, that would just be complete agony for me, you know. So, like, I have no other choice to park in a disability space now. Okay, okay. You so, know, like, we, so, you know, so yesterday we were saying, should people call others out if they see them doing things like that or should they mind their own business, right? But if you yeah, call people yeah. out, you don't always know their story. Exactly, yeah. Do you know, and, like, I used to always kind of look at people that, like, not look at people, but I would kind of be watching people that go into the parent-toddler um, parking space before we know children and he used to be saying, oh, the cheek of them and there's me with other children, you know, and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. But now, since this stuff's happening to me, I'm kind of looking at them with a different point of view. And I'm like, maybe there is something, maybe their disability spots are all taken up and they can't walk or, you know, and I'm like, I don't know their situation, you know. Like you can't judge a book for it. Oh, cover. I'd say there's a proportion of them are genuine, to be honest. But oh, yeah, hand in my heart, yeah. I wouldn't say that the majority of them are genuine. I think some are genuine, but oh yeah, like definitely, okay. like and you know what? Like, I even know people that are fully able, and you know they're like, now nah, we're just parking. Yeah, like, yeah, I couldn't oh be God. bothered. Yeah, I couldn't be bothered. Do you know, so do you so get looks, or does anybody say anything? I do. Yeah, especially like I know it's terrible, but like a lot of the elderly kind of be looking at me differently, doing and they be like. There's nothing wrong with you. Do you know, you just want to be close to the, the, the door, basically, you know? So I'm like, yeah, but like if only you knew my kind of story. But they don't you say know, anything. You can tell this by the look, is it? Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people be kind of looking. I came out of the shops before and they'd be looking in my car, as in the front of my car, <laughs> looking for the disability badge. Looking for the disability badge. And then I'm like... Why, why don't you park in the mother and or the parent and baby spot? Oh, I do. Thing? If there is, if 
spots, but to be honest, like, they mightn't be, do you mean, there's only, like, like, I'm down inside for my, so, like, there could be only, like, three or four. All right, okay, that answers my question. Do you know? And do you ever, yeah. do you ever say to those who are giving you the look, mind your own business or anything like that, no? No, it's too quiet now to be in the Unless someone yeah. was said to me, and then I'd explain to them, you know. But, like, yeah, it, it's like, like, I even think that there should be a kind of parking spaces for, not disabled, but, like, just not for the fully able, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does like, make sense, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, people with, like, injuries, and, you know, like, people with bad backs that, that wouldn't be on disability. Yeah. Do you know, but that can... Well, a, a typical like case like your good self, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. you know, like, and, no, if there was one just, like, I had an appointment yesterday at the doctor's, there was one disability spot. I wouldn't take that because there is more people out there that are that need it more generally. Than no, me, but if you, you know, have the so baby and you have two two toddlers and you have the pain and you have the trolley, then I can understand why you'll want to be as close yeah. to the door as you can because you just yeah, exactly. The pain. Like yeah. because like All even right. you know like we like my my baby now he's like walking like you know and you'd be terrified you know like. If anything happens, oh, you know, sure, like no. if you went all the way down to the car park or anything, they can you know? be deadly. They can be deadly. Look after <laughs> yeah. yourself, and I hope that the pain passes sooner rather than Hopefully, later. Yeah. All right, take care, Laura. Exactly. Cheers. Thanks, Bye. Whenever I go to my local shop or supermarket, I can never get a mother and baby spot. They're always full. I'm eight months pregnant with one and a half year old. I have to try and lug my child in my arms to a trolley to put her in. Constantly seeing middle-aged men parking in the mother and baby spots. Middle-aged men, sometimes taken up two spots. I don't say anything because I know it will lead to an argument and I wouldn't argue in front of my children. I wouldn't park in these spaces if I was on my own and pregnant. So why should they when they're neither expecting nor have children? Um, interesting that you say it's mutually middle-aged men. I'm a mum of three and I really feel like people should stop interfering in who parks in these spots as you never know other people's situations. If you need to park in another spot, so be it. Uh, I feel strongly for that expectant mother. Does this not mean that you need a saved space? Since when was expecting a disability? Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. Lots of calls. Jeff standing by. Linda as well. Just a very fast one. I know a guy in Dublin who parks his diesel car in an EV space, as in an electric vehicle space. He runs an extension lead out the window of the diesel van, or car I should say, and he wraps it around the charging point. Job done, says Paddy. And off he goes. It's a diesel car with a little cable running out the window and wrapped around the EV charging point. Uh, no point in any supermarket chains having disability or parent access spaces they're just not supervised uh, I've often parked my electric scooter outside Tesco in Wilton and people always knock it over. Drivers have shouted at me saying I shouldn't even be in a car park. Uh, I have as much right to use it as anybody else and one final one there. Actually no I'll go back to the phone lines here because people are waiting a long time. Linda good morning Hi good morning how are you? Okay a mother, you're a mother of one baby Yes. Okay and you feel conflicted? Yeah. Why? I um, like, I suppose this kind of goes back to when he was a newborn. Um, I'm on my own with him and my closest shop where I would have to go to and I have to drive as well. I don't have any local shops nearby that I could walk to. Like, I would drive there and I had a C-section. I had an emergency C-section with him. So particularly when he was a new baby, I couldn't lift the car seat and him in the car seat 
like I wasn't meant to lift them at all together. It was either lift him or the car seat. So, I mean, Bishopstown Duns is where I would be talking about now, but at the side, there would have been a handful of mother and baby or parent and baby spots. Mm. And, like, I went there multiple times throughout the week. And never, ever would I ever get a spot. And, like, like that now, middle-aged men, completely see them all the time. Brand new cars kind of pulling in and they'd see me waiting because I can't get out of the car. I'd have to actually wait to get a space. But, 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 but in, defen- in defence of middle-aged men... If, well, it's know, not just them now. Like, I'm like, saying sure, it can't be. It's not as if there's an, ep- an, an epidemic out there that is only affecting middle-aged men. They well, can't no, be the only people that are parking and parent of baby spaces. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be saying just that, but there was one particular time I can remember, and it was just when you were mentioning it there a while ago, it came to my mind. But like middle-aged I, men, right? Yeah. Waiting, I was waiting for um, a spot in the parent and baby spot, and. Um, a man had pulled in and he saw me waiting. He actually waited there until I looked away because I was like, is he waiting for someone? Is he waiting for a baby? And he could see me waiting to get a thought. And he actually, like, he stayed there for about five minutes and when I eventually looked away, he ran, he got out of his car and ran into the shop. Oh, he waits and waits until it's he safe waited. to leg it from the car in the parking space that he shouldn't be in in the first place. Yeah, and that would be the one time I would be thinking particularly with that man there now and it happened with another man. He's a coward as well as everything else. Yeah, and like I I was so close to getting out and saying something but I was like, I actually can't because I, I would have actually just went... It was happening so often when I was going there. I just like, I couldn't. I'd say I would that actually... Is, that is infuriating, it really is. You know, like every single time I ever went there and like as I said, like after C-section, you can't lift car seat and the baby like I need to be able to park the car go to the trolley bring the trolley to him and then kind of quickly get him out so why why, I know of course you do in the C-section obviously I understand exactly what you're saying anybody listening understands that but why would your man not just park somewhere else I have no idea but to wait there I was actually watching him like he saw me watching him and like I was only to be weird but like I was watching him because I was thinking it does he have a baby? Like, is he waiting? What's for he going to do next, guy? Yeah, I'd be curious yeah. myself. I'd probably have done the I same as you. But is so is it the, is it that he, is it that people are afraid their cars are going to be scratched? I don't care if your car is going to be scratched. Like someone in my situation, I can't. Like, and another thing, like I, I, this one, I had originally texted in. Like, this is where I'd be conflicted about. Like, like elderly people all the time, and that particularly in that shop. They would park in that those spots, and like at the same time that all of this was happening, particularly last year when he was newborn, like I when I seen that they were elderly, it's like I couldn't, I couldn't feel like as bad. annoyed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I was like, I, I totally understand people's like situations and people's stories, and like I was the first one. It was like my grandfather. I, you know. I, I wouldn't want him to be taken the spot, but again, that's why I'm so conflicted. I'm not anti them having any sort of spot close to the door either. It's just very like when you're in your own situation and you're in pain and you're waiting for a spot and you just need to get to shopping and go home because you maybe have had it. And you know, and shopping yeah. is a necessity. This is not a this yeah. is not me time or anything. It, it it's buying. That just take a buggy and walk down to a shop where I live. I can't do that. No, I know. I have right. Where I live, there's no like. I mean, the closest shop down to me is 
a gala and it's a five minute break. But here's the question I was asking yesterday because somebody suggested, and I'm not suggesting for a moment people should do this, that the air should be left out of their tyres. But somebody said if that happened to a person once, they would never park in a place like that again. But well, no, I, I wouldn't say air left out of tyres, but I think it should be kind of like managed by the shops themselves. Like I did at that time want to go into Dunn's and actually say to somebody working and actually get them to come out and move their car, leave their shopping there. Or, you know do something like that I think it's this shop's responsibility to kind of make sure Okay, okay, supervise them properly. Final final point for you. Lisa says, it absolutely infuriates me when people park in parent and child spaces. I used to write notes and leave them on the windscreen, but my husband doesn't like me doing that, says she. Um, In fact, Lisa, what would you make of that? I, I certainly, anyway, Lisa, wouldn't be not doing it because your husband told you not to do it. You need to, you know, decide for yourself, really, you know. What do you think? Yeah, I, um, my mum, actually, this happened when my brother was young. He was actually out in Balancolic and I think the Duns out there, to be honest. And there was a lady and she did write a note and they actually waited to see what she would do. She picked up the note and she got it off her windshield. She ripped it up and she threw it on the floor and drove away. Oh, that tells you exactly what the kind of person she is then. Yeah. Yeah, she just, she just ripped it up and threw it on the ground. Yeah. 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 Well, well, you couldn't be dealing with a woman like that. Thanks, Linda. Appreciate you taking the call. Cheers for not. Take care. Let me talk to Jeff if you don't mind. Jeff, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Um, Talking about parking spaces, disabled bays, things like that. You have a story from Sunday. Go ahead. Yeah. So myself and the girlfriend decided to go over to the Marine Market because she has a friend that has a stall in there. Yeah. So we went over anyway. There was a lot of parking spaces uh, taken up. But I could see along the wall just before the entrance in that there was the Sable Bay signs up. Yeah. And we drove around. There was a lot of them there already taken up. And then I told her to loop back around because I spotted uh, four fans. And big, huge thing now with a disabled badge on it and a guy sitting in it reading a newspaper. So I said, swing over there again and I'll go speak to this gentleman that was in the van. So I went over to him and I goes, are you waiting for somebody uh, to come back or watch the story and he was like no no and I goes but you've I know you have a badge up on display but I goes you're just sitting there reading a newspaper and I goes my girlfriend's in this transit van right next to you and she needs to get out the back of this and is she in a, is she a wheelchair? in a wheelchair is she oh yeah, yeah born and bred into a wheelchair <laughs> sorry yeah, you know, we didn't know that Jeff sorry okay. business, like. yeah. no she is wheelchair that she used to use a winch to pull out so she needs about two to three metres at the back of it to come out so the man was in the van and I goes, uh, I know that you have a badge. I can see that you have a badge. And I goes, would you be so kind to actually vacate the space so that my girlfriend can pull in there and actually come out the back of it? Because the badges are designed for people to get in and out of it, not to be sitting there reading a newspaper. I see this all the time, people pulling to the disabled base and the person that has the badge, they're either sitting in it or they're, they're not. And it's the, the driver could be sitting in it. So... He, he he was like, well, I have a badge. And I goes, I get that, but my girlfriend has a badge too, but she has a wheelchair in the back of her van that she needs to come out the back of it. So he was like, but I'm the owner of the place. And I was like, but you're misusing the badge. So if you're the owner of the place, because people with disability have a hard time getting parking, and you're just sitting here reading the paper and eating food. So I hopped back into the van to my girlfriend, and she moved back a bit because there was a car adjacent to him moving out. So she pulled in there. And the security fella that is there, I know him for years. He used to work on Paul Street. And he came over and does everything all right. And I was like, no, no, no. I said, there's an alien guy there sitting inside his van. 
with a disabled badge up and he was like, oh, we get this all the time. And I goes, but he is a badge. He's not vacating it. And he was like, yeah, that's the owner of the guy. Yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to know the owner of any. I don't want to know the business. No, I don't want to know. Don't go Don't go there. I don't want to know it. You just say that he owns a property down there. Yeah, yeah, he owns a property. So I goes, is the badge his or what? To the security fella. And he was like, no, no, that's for his wife. And I goes, but it's his wife here. And he was like, no, this guy just comes down every so often and just sits there after he gets a piece of paper and a bit of food. And I was like, that's blatantly misuse of the badge for somebody totally. who Totally, yeah. Well, if, if what you're telling me is 100% accurate, it. then it is a misuse of it. And it's very frustrating then for people like yourself yeah. and your girlfriend who needs a lot of yeah. space at the back to get the wheelchair winched oh, out. Yeah. So what did you do? We couldn't do nothing. She just parked into another space that was right across the way. And I'd kind of go behind the back of the van to make sure that no cows were going to go hit the ramp or hit the the, the boot of the roof that comes up. Like, God. and she she winched herself out, and the security fellow was like, "Oh, just put a smile on your face and blah blah blah." Yeah. So we went in anyway. We did whatever, and we came back oh an hourish or so afterwards. And just as we were coming out the door, the guy then decides to drive off. I'm like. Seriously, oh man, that's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. He could have went off and parked somewhere else. Because the badge wasn't for him, it was for his wife. I know. And he decided to use it because, oh, I have a badge, I'm just going to park in there willy-nilly. You must really have to plan trips when you guys want to go out and do something, yeah? A, a lot of times, yeah, we have to think about where we're going, where we're going to park, like, is because it's very hard for her to get in and out. And the way some of the bays are designed, they're not designed for a band. And also, you have to worry. You have to worry that people don't park too close behind you when you're gone. Oh yeah. There even one day I was driving my own car, which is a smaller thing, and we were on the South Mall, and just right outside the AB Bank, there was three in there. It was the last one was taken up by another car. The middle one was free. I was able to get in there, and there was another car and the one in front of me. But we went off, did whatever, came back, and Jesus Christ, oh, I don't know how this person did it. But they managed to squeeze their car in between the last car and my car in on the accessible spaces for the person to put a wheelchair or whatever in and out. And God, that's why, because they are huge I, spaces, but they're huge yeah, for a reason. Yeah, yeah, so I called the, the Cork City Traffic Division. They sent a guy over who's just literally across the road, gave her a fine, but also noticed her uh, raw taxes out and gave her a fine. So she got two fines in one go. <laughs> she won't be doing two that again. Two fines, that's 220 euros. So I was there waiting around. About 10 minutes later, this woman and a young one rocked up. And I go, excuse me, is this your car? And she was like, yeah. I go, you do realise you're actually impeding me for the last 10 minutes or so by putting my girlfriend's chair into the back of the car. Yeah. And she's like, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't know. I was like, how do you not know? It's painted with a big X. It's a free but, spot for somebody to put a wheelchair in the back of the car. But did she, well, I say, had she firstly, did she have a disability badge up on no, it? No, 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 nothing, 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 absolutely nothing, boy. And how did she feel? Had she seen the two fines, the two hundred and forty euro worth of fines? She, in this she, 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 she came along and she saw that there was a docket there, and she picked it up and walked away. But she didn't see that there was a second one, and the the young one that was there, her daughter picked up and I, she goes you've got another one I goes you do realise you got 220 euro fine for a 2 euro 50 parking that you could have went somewhere else yeah I know I know I know I was like 
She was like, does that make you happy now? And I was like, no, oh, is that what she said? Is that what she said? just wasted 10 to 15 minutes of my time, plus the extra time that I'm here talking to you about the accessible space that you've actually impeded me for putting my girlfriend's chair into the back of my own car. Like. Oh, my God. Is that what and she said to you? To... Do you feel better now that I got two fines? Yeah, I, I'm like, no, it doesn't make me feel better because you've just blatantly, ignorantly ignored a space that is designed for an accessibility mobility to come out. Some people, man, they'll just park anywhere. They'll take oh, a gamble, yeah, they'll take I a risk. I see it all the time. The worst is Shannon's, right? There's two disabled bays there. And anyone and everyone just parks in there and doesn't care. Yeah, but I hear there are fairly active traffic wardens on Shannon Street, I'm told, because the businesses are plagued by traffic warden fines and tickets. Well, it's usually... The, the funeral home will have the traffic wardens come up because people are parking in the spaces. When when there's a funeral line, they're putting out the cones for their vehicles yeah. and the horse to actually go there because yeah. somebody's after passing. Yeah, I know. And people know. just come along and just pick up the cones and park in there and then they, if they call the traffic wardens to come up there and get them to come out. But over 95% of the time throughout the day, I could sit there the whole day and I could see umpteen amount of people pull into the disabled base, about 5% of them would have a disability badge and would be required for it. But 95% of the time, those are the people that don't need it and they're just going into the credit union, going into the tech, going into the chemist, going into all the shops along the street. And I'm like, not an ounce of sight of a traffic warden. Traffic warden should pop up a tent there and see the amount of people that park there. And it will deter people from parking there then that actually don't need it. All right. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. You know your stuff. Well said. Thank you. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. I'll get back to calls in a few minutes' time. Just uh, news that's uh, breaking at the moment. You, you know that Diageo, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the other major players then also, the likes of Heineken, came along and, and also increased their prices. But Diageo took a, a 12-cent increase back in February, right? Uh, which, uh, according to the Vintners Federation of Ireland, was the highest ever increase imposed. They called it because of rising business costs. Well, Diageo have just announced this morning, they've actually written to all publicans in the country saying that the price of their pint or their pints will go up by four cent, five cent actually when the VAT is included. So pints will go up by five cent this August, next month. Um, and again, they are talking about rising business costs. So that's on top of the 12 cent increase that they took back in February. And I'm wondering whether we will see the other brewers now and the other major players also taking this opportunity to put up their prices as well and to follow Diageo's lead. Now, the Vintners Federation of Ireland are pretty livid about this. They're saying we're in the middle of a peak tourist season. Businesses and tourist areas that need good summers and to see them through the quiet winter period are suffering because there's a loss of accommodation beds. And people have increased mortgages and cost of living increases. And this is an inopportune time for Diageo. I mean, Diageo... I have to say, make vast amounts of money in profit. And, and, and this really could be deemed as being just protecting the profit margin and nothing else. It's not as if they're a loss-making empire, and they are an empire. But uh, I wonder what you make of that. Another five cent when you put VAT onto it on the pint. And will the others follow? Probably. Uh, the Vintners are saying that Diageo are out of tune with their customers and the consumer. And they're asking and calling on Diageo to review the decision immediately and to reverse out of it. The operating profits at Diageo, the world's largest spirit maker, 
jumped 18% to £4.4 billion sterling in the 12 months up to June, just gone. Uh, June 2022, I should say. Imagine that the statistic of information for June 2023 will be something similar, perhaps even more. So their profits in a calendar year, 4.4 billion. Their operating profits now, turnover would be even higher. This is just the operating profit. Sales across its product range increased by more than 21% globally. Uh, They sold over 15.5 billion pounds worth of product in the year to June 2022. Um, is is it not enough? You know, is it not enough? I mean, you know, you hear about it with energy suppliers and utility companies, and brewers now, and spirit makers, and people who brew pints of stout and pints of lager and all things like it. Anyway, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Okay, I'll be doing other stories and and moving about to other topics as well. Incidentally, it was quite interesting to see. It was on to um, the paedophile hunters on the air yesterday again, Danny who's one of the decoys that is used by the paedophile hunters out of the UK. Somebody said, why do you give these awful people airtime, Neil? Um, Why don't they just do their own investigations in their own country? Incidentally, it is not good work. It's underhanded and it's disgusting. Let our own guardie do the job of chasing down paedophiles, says Mary. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. Far be it for me to say that you're not. But I would have thought that um, any kind of decoy or any kind of group or organisation that was hunting down paedophiles had to be a good thing if it takes them out of circulation and stops them. Am I missing something? Anyway, text 0868104106. But just uh, just on what you see in car parks and stories like that, Pat, Pat worked security for 20 years, but even in shopping centres, if I'm, if, I'm, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, and he joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Neil. So you've 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 seen it all, even even the characters who leave their babies in buggies in locked cars. Well, babies in chaos anyway. Um, you had a lot of that people people leaving their children in chaos and going away and shopping. That was a regular occurrence. What do you do? What did you do in that kind of a situation? Uh, well, um, you would um, call their care number out from the PA system and have the customer return to the car. Sometimes they return fairly quickly, and sometimes they run so quickly. And do you say anything to them? Well, I mean, you did, you did. You told them it wasn't sort of uh, the thing to do, that, you know, the, anything could happen. The child could, um, you know, um, have a bad turn, or the cow could kitchen for Anything can happen when you're in a cow, especially when you're a toddler. But are they mortified? Are they annoyed that you're calling some them? Do they tell you mind your own business? Some of them would, and some of them wouldn't. Some of them would give out to you for um, bringing them back. Go away. Tell, the the, um, tell them the dangers of leaving a child in a car unattended. Yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot of dangers there. People don't um, seem to um, understand it. But as regards uh, disabled um, parking, um, I would have checked the cars every hour. And if there was a car parked there without a disabled badge, the um, theory was then that you would again call it out in the PA system to have the owner of the vehicle call back. If they didn't return within 15 minutes, the car would have been clamped. Did you clamp them? Yes. Okay. So be, all hell will break loose and they come back and see the clamp, though, would it? When they come back, then you look for whatever excuse that they, they would have given. Sometimes they might have came back and they might have had 
an injury. So you could see that fairly plainly um, if they came back and they might have had a broken leg. So obviously there was, you took the clamp off. Yeah, so, so yeah, or, yeah, even though they didn't have a blue badge. A fine. Yeah. Otherwise they would have been a fine, but... It would have been a lot of hassle I put up with in a lot of hassle when I, when I would have done that, but you either stood up to him or you didn't. You know, I mean, I think that's what's wrong now is that people, most companies now hire outside security and I just don't think they have the battle anymore to, to stand up to people. When you say they don't have the bottle to, to, um, to take people on, is it? Bottle. They don't have the bottle to take the people on that's uh, breaking the rules and regulations. They don't have the bottle to clamp the car. But you see, do you know the world we live in now? And God knows we see all too many videos of them, people who get assaulted. Because um, there's a yeah, lot of people out there with anger issues times. and they'd be very quick to, th- to throw a punch. Yeah, I was assaulted many times. Actually physically assaulted? Yeah, physically assaulted many, many, many times. That sounds like a lot of times. Yes, a lot of times. I had cows driven at me and everything else in the course of my walk. No, they're mother and baby thing but, that people... But when, when like they, they drive the car at you and then swerve away at the last minute, is it? Yes, yes, yes. I was hit by a cow, never mind anything else. So somebody actually drove at you and hit you with the car? Yes, and actually hit me. And so on. that was going back to 2004. And um, like... But was it, and yeah, but like so, so you were physically hit by what men? Yes, is it? physically hit, physically men. Yes, women, was, women as well. Women, does women actually hit me? Because you said to them, you can't park there. No, there's different incident, Neil. Different okay. incident. Okay, okay. Yeah. Would you see what I mean with regards to the anger that's out there? That's why yes. people are slow to take people on or to yes, correct them. It, uh, I mean. You're wasting your time so doing the job. That's the idea. You're either uh, doing security job or you're not. You understand that if you're breaking the rules, you're breaking the rules. But the man who drove at you and hit you, was that a man? Women. Hit you with the car? Yeah, yeah. And do you yeah. know if there was ever a prosecution or anything? No. Just drove off? Yeah, just drove off. My God, man. That's yeah, insane. Yeah. Okay, you wanted to make a point on um, what we used to call mother and baby spots, now parent and baby yeah, that's, spots. That's much harder to um, to control because, you see, the um, disabled um, people would have carried a badge. So you can check the badge. The mother and toddler doesn't carry any badge. Yeah, except the badge is the, ba- is the, is the baby, yeah. You you have sometimes they have a badge at the back like mother and baby mother and baby on board, on board yeah, yeah, yeah but other than that it's much harder for the person who's might be regulating it and if you go into any shopping centre it's rare that you see somebody coming out and checking the cows rare. Okay, are you are you retired from that now? Did you give it up? Well, I didn't give it up. I was forced to retire let me put it like that mm-hmm. because of age was I it reached, I reached 65 when I was told I was no I was up to slope that's that's frustrating isn't it when you're still totally capable of doing a good day's work yes I in fact I, I hadn't been doing that particular job I was doing another job that I was separated from that particular job at the time 
I was doing another pistol job, which yeah. was completely different. But um, I think the, the, the company had a policy like that 65. 65, you're out. Yeah. Good luck okay. and you're right. putting a scrap peep and maybe that's wrong. I think I think it is wrong if you're well capable. Yeah. Age is but a number. The 65 of today bears no... Ba- well, if you're, if, you're, if you're healthy and fit, I think it, it is because, I mean, what's wrong is that they're, they're bringing in people in that to do the job. That's obviously, and I mean, it's obvious when there's so much complaints that they can't do the job. They're not doing it, yeah. Okay, all right. Thanks, but Pat. As I said, if you, if you wandered around some of the shopping centres... In the city, you will find that there's very little checking of the disabled parking. There's, there's it's probably because it's not of, worth the grief. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And unless you're unless you're checking, it'll continue. Okay, thanks for that, Pat. Thank you. 65 is, uh, well, 45 is the new 65, isn't it true? It's in, in the sense that, uh, you know, the world we live in now is very different, different to a 65-year-old 50 or 60 years ago. No disrespect uh, to anybody's age, but I think you know what I mean. Um, I've been listening to your show uh, all week, all this talk about sex offenders and the list and who has access to a sex offenders list. For reasons that I can't get into, I personally became aware last year that, in fact, there is no such register or no such list. When a person is leaving pr- the prison service after serving their sentence, they're instructed to report to the local guard station nearest to the address that they have given to the prison discharge. The sex offender is supposed to report to that guard station weekly. They are supposed to let the guard station know of any changes to their address. The onus is on the sex offender to report to the guardee, not the reverse. I had some very hard questions to ask about all of this to the guardie last year. Suffice to say, I was flabbergasted at what I heard. Shocked is an understatement. I always believed this so-called register was in existence, but unfortunately, it is not. This is the reason why these monsters can live wherever they want and move around freely. I personally think that these types of people should be tagged. The system is not fit for purpose, especially from a victim's perspective, and it's very unsatisfactory. I could say much more from my personal experience but only through text can't come on the air. The law protects the accused, you see, before the trial, during the trial, and after, say, for instance, their 10-year sentence. The system says justice has been served when a jury finds someone guilty and they go into custody. I personally feel that justice is more for the guardee that work very hard on these types of cases. That's their justice. But there's absolutely no justice for the victims of these types of crime, not before, not during, and most certainly not after a trial and sentencing. No supports. You just go solo. Only one in a hundred go through the judicial system. And I know and fully understand why that is. The system for sexual violence against women in this country is archaic, says Martina by text to 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, just a quick call this side of uh, 11, if you don't mind. Uh, I want to go, this is Noonan's Road story, not necessarily related to the flat complexes in Noonan's Road, but in that general area. Uh, Rosaline, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's lovely to speak to you. Oh, my God. Um, I'm looking at a video of your, is that your back garden or your, your backyard? No, 
that is my side entrance of that garden now that you already seen a portion of it that garden is actually bigger than the house I'm living in okay okay so you've got a very big big plot there and it's all laid out I and have. There's, there's beautiful rhododendrons and all sorts of gorgeous gorgeous flowers and uh, a lot of it is paved and then the back of it is grass all of that paved area has got this brown liquidy sludge is that human waste that's human waste Neil it's well, it's disgusting even to be talking about it this hour of the morning but you live with that every day I do need and I'll tell you now the, it, this has been a kind of an ongoing issue first when it started happening going back a couple of years ago it would be just water would come up and then the corporation used to come out and free the shores and then it came to this no I wasn't excuse me I actually call it ignorance I was I went out one morning and it was just layered and smell and the lady next door she had on her back so she had actually contacted the city council but they came with dino rod so the dino rod suctioned up and they apologised for a lot of the stone I lost now that would have been another story you know being here on my own I, I couldn't maintain the garden you're, you're in a terrace age. of houses aren't you I'm a, co- I'm a gable end. Of a terrace, yeah. Of a terrace. And so you're, on dis- you're on disability, you live alone. I and, am. Uh, yeah, so, um, and I'll get to the Dynarod thing in a minute, but that's human waste that you're literally plodding around in from b- a burst pipe? No, see, this is the issue, you see. So, anyway, Dynarod had been coming out and doing this. There was no issue with it. On the 18th of March, anyway, between the Hassan and the issue with Cox City Council, uh, the lovely man that always came out came out at, with Dino Rod and he said, "Look, we've been stopped two weeks ago." He said, "From do no that replies to everyone, not just me alone, of uh, do of clearing the shores." So um, Dino Rod, he said, "I was sent out to take photographs if to see it was a construction problem." Now Dino Rod suctioned up again, but to be fair, there was nothing taken out. The thing wasn't blocked. There was nothing removed from the shores. Just the human waste, the sludge, yes. the liquid matter. They ho- it's her fault. And, and did they me. ask you to pay for it? This is what I'm saying. So, uh, at the time, I would have to pay Dino Rod myself. And if they, it was found that it would be a constructional problem, it would be the maintenance department and Cox City Council would um, sort it. Now, this time, I spoke, actually, he was a lovely chap. I spoke to Dino Rod for that night. I hope next day my situation. Well, he said, it's like this. If you called, called us out this morning, so you're talking about 330 euros. She wouldn't have 3,300 euros, 330 euros on a, on a disability pension. Yeah, but, you know, the part being, you know, as I said, like, the I have three shores in that garden, right? That is feeding two terraces, right? Okay, so you're and, getting everybody else's I, human waste. Yes. You're getting it. You're getting everybody else's. But I must pay for it. I'm responsible for it. Yeah, thank you for the gift. Oh, I have to pay now to get rid of it. What's the smell like? No, it's a... It's a situation to be talking about. It's after drying in now. So it's like now if you laid cement out on the the stone... You have cement like human waste. Yes, yes. So... Is there a stench all the time? No, no, this is it. You see, it's only... I, I dread, I absolutely terrified when the rain starts. Now, the last episode I had in, in May, it actually was out the back as well. When you flushed the toilet, it was going out the shore, out, 
out the back. But you're sure you can smell it though, Rosalie. Oh, don't get me wrong, Neil. Like, I left my home on Sunday night and I stayed in my brother's house with a smell. And uh, are, they trying I, to, are they trying to look for a way out of this so that they don't have to keep paying Dinerod or that they... Why don't they just fix they, whatever's wrong? But you see, this is it, Neil. Like, I, I got on to emergency service on Sunday night. Again, a lovely man. Speaking to a lovely man, he, he logged it. I logged it three times on Monday, right? <clears throat> Never finally was logged. I waited all day Monday. I had to stay in the house. Yesterday morning I rang. Oh, she said, um, that case was closed with maintenance. She said, it's your responsibility. The case is closed. It's now your responsibility from now on. Yeah. They said so that I to somebody on a disability pension living alone. Yeah. And is it, and so. is it your own home? No, I'm paying Cox City Council. She's like, what, what are they at like? They're your, they're your landlord. What part of that don't they understand? It is their responsibility. So, I, that was fine. I, 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 no, I did. I, I said to her, I said, I'm telling you here and now, I said, if and when those shows are closed, I said, first of all, they shouldn't need, first of all, those three shows should be on the public road, not my garden. Yeah, yeah. And I have no Did you pave all of said, that because it was, it, you've got a fabulous space there, but you, were you getting, find it too hard to manage it, was it? See, it was grass, Neil, and I, you know, I'm 62 years of age, like, I could, you know, and I couldn't, and even when I got stoned, I was scammed in that, but that's another, that's another issue. I always think, anyway, you're vulnerable, you know, when you're... Ah, uh, tell me, what, what happened? Did you get a quote that didn't turn out to be the accurate price or what? No, Neil, I got, I got this, uh, this fella, and um, he came, and he did this, and I, he, then he sent me... Um, a photograph that he was out in the hospital with an infection in his finger and uh, it came to light anyway Neil, at the end of the day it came to light he gave me a false name um, I did find out who he was after um, took the money and left uh, all this, all the weeds are coming up through the stone he did a botch job a botch job and charged me for X amount of stone and charged me for doing this and, and did a runner um, yeah. and did a runner how much did he charge you for that? Uh, I I think at the time now, and I won't lie, me. I think at the time I paid four hundred nod for the stone, and he charged me another four hundred. And how long was he on the job? He he, he, was, he came. We said today for an hour, and then he he'd leave, and then he'd come back, and then he used the white bags off the stone underneath instead of the black stuff. Oh God, that's a botch! And he left his wheelbarrow behind him. And so I put her out the back and I was at a doctor's appointment and one day I came home and he had went up over the, the, the gate and talked to me about I don't understand why people are so unkind. They seem as if to, um, they kind of sense vulnerability and they just go for it. Yeah. The sad thing, the, you know, the sad thing, you know, they are very genuine people on Facebook, you know, and that's where I got it from because I have the garden fence there and it's a lovely chap that did it for me, a lovely chap. But, like, I wouldn't do Facebook anymore and that's been quite no, honest. No, it's to be very, like, just because you don't know yeah. who you're inviting in and giving money to. Uh, but listen, uh, um, listen, with regards to uh, the sewage, that's that's no condition for a tenant of Cork City Council to be living in human waste. Um, then uh, when I rang yesterday morning, she told me that she said I'm I'm forward, I'm logging this. She said to your uh, housing officer, she said, and you get a call, uh, call uh, to call you back. No call back. Okay, okay. R- rang the environmental crowd, left a message, no response. Um, I know. I mean, anybody anybody living in those in those conditions would be absolutely 
livid, to say the least. You know, particularly if you're paying your rent every week on time. It's not as if every there's an week, issue with week, you as a tenant. Every week. All right, listen, um, you don't mind if we send them that video, do you? And send them a little note yeah. Yeah, just to see no what they're reason. at. I have no issue whatsoever. All right. And I tell you now, the next fall away, Neil, I'll be in the very same position again. Okay, all right, be back to you, Rosaline. Let's see what they have to say on the matter. This business of the case being closed is far from acceptable. Back after 11. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Just looking at the text this morning, it just shows me the amount of different things that we talk about all in one day. The housing crisis in the city, is there a housing crisis? Yes, there is. And if there is, where will City Council find all these houses to house the Noonan's Road residents if they knock their houses down? Where will they put them? While, other, while the houses are knocked and rebuilt again. A good question. You'd need a magician on board for something like that. BAM should be banned from any other government projects until the National Children's Hospital is finally completed. But at this stage, Coronation Street will end before the Children's Hospital is complete because all the actors in Coronation Street will be dead. Uh, what about, all, and, you know, how are we going to make money back because of electric cars? You know, people are driving more electric cars so there's less tax being made on fuel. What about all the cars that are already driving around with no tax at all? I saw a car yesterday whose tax disc was out since last August and the NCT was out since January. How do they get away with it? Yes, how do they indeed? And more to the point, wouldn't you love to know the reason why? Are they just flouting the law because they think they can get away with it? Or really is it out of absolute necessity that they can't afford the tax or the NCT booking, or the work that needs to be done to the car. That is not a priority. Do you know what I mean? Mark says, would you please, yes, I know, I've been told this before, would you please stop spoiling movies for us all of the time? He says, I'm doing it all of the time. And thanks for saying the train in Mission Impossible crashes or gets blown up. Uh, Some of us like to see a movie without knowing what's going to happen. Please don't be mentioning movies anymore. Mark, I never mentioned, I just said, I just said that, there is a train in it and there's not much left of it by the time they're finished with it in Mission Impossible. That's all I said. I didn't say it was, I didn't say it was crashed. I didn't say it was blown up. Nothing like that. But even mentioning the train you're saying is wrong. Okay, my apologies. It's a great film, full stop. Shandon is filthy. Just look up at the clocks. Who's responsible for cleaning it? It's supposed to be a tourist attraction. It's nothing but a tourist distraction. Uh, says Kiron by text. Yeah, um, I think there's parts of the area there need a lot of work, and certainly areas around the Butter Exchange need work. Um, but but the general area itself actually has just won an award in the IBAL Awards recently, the Irish Business Against Litter. Uh, on Denise O'Sullivan, uh, Wilton Girls Soccer Club, Denise O'Sullivan's schoolgirl team, are meeting at Flannery's Bar tomorrow for the Oz game. Um, come on you girls in green and it's an 11 o'clock kickoff so they're meeting in Flannery's um, why oh why aren't Cork City Council putting a big screen in the middle of Cork City if they're not planning to do it they should says Frick I don't know that they are I mean I'd imagine if they had intended to do it we'd know about it but maybe they just aren't bothered um, please give a mention also to Megan Connolly Megan's a Douglas girl come on Ireland uh, of course we need to talk about Megan uh, just as much as the rest of the team because we've got two Cork players. Um, I'm a twi- And Children's Allowance. I'm a twin. When Children's Allowance was introduced in the early 1950s in Ireland, I always remembered that the first child didn't get it. So as I was born before my brother, my dad didn't get it for me. I can't follow that. I can't follow that. Another thing is that it was only given to the fathers. 
I think the law changed in the 80s. Fathers would have to sign a form allowing mothers to collect it. Fond regards, says Jean. Well, if that was the way, then it was wrong. Uh, there's children's allowance, but dad got it and gave it to ma'am. Or dad had to sign the form to allow, allow ma'am collect it. That's not fair. Um, by the way, I only mentioned children's allowance because in some cases in the UK, they have a cap on it. Um, another, you have some about news this morning. I was probably doing the newspaper review and somebody wanted to pick up on it. They said, ah, yeah, front page news. A man gets snookered for illegally parking, gets fined by the guards. 120 euro. Shoplifting is another one that makes the papers most days while heroin, cocaine, crystal meth and crack cocaine are flooding our streets. Other stories making the news. Drug debt beatings. Houses petrol bombed. Family members threatened and assaulted. Cars being sold. Credit union loans are taken out to pay these scum and there are no arrests or charges. They are the real news stories. Thank you for that. And people continue to send me examples of crazy pricing. And this is something that drives people insane. If you get a splash of lime or a drop of raza, I drink Coors with a splash of lime. Some pubs are charging one euro for the splash of lime cordial. Clancy's was the latest. I don't know why they do that, because they're probably buying the entire bottle of lime cordial for about a euro and charging you a euro for the splash. Uh, huge savings at any airport. Here's a tip. Bring your own water bottle or bottles. Fill them for free at the airport. Bring the juice refills from Aldi for two euro. It will give you 20 bottles. Bring your sandwiches and get a nine pack of crisps, some ham, cheese and bread. That's approximately nine euro for 10 sandwiches with crisps on the side and free water. Job done. Thanks for the tip. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. I was contacted earlier in the week by a, a Cork lady whose name I won't give out on air, um, but she was telling her own story and referencing other people's stories as well regarding uh, Cabana lifestyle, which has now gone into liquidation. She said, we recently had €4,600 taken off us by Cabana Lifestyle who promised our garden house and promised and promised and promised and suddenly went into receivership. We have now found others who are owed €3,000, €5,000, €14,000, €18,000 and more. These are all deposits and now there's nothing to show for it. If you want to see their reviews and the other stories of people who have also been hurt, Check out Trustpilot reviews for Cabana. Some people have had their life savings taken and now we have nothing and no updates and nothing to show for it. I want to shed some light on this and see if others want to join. Now, that was the first email I got from this um, and we did go into Trustpilot and saw other people who had outstanding work uh, done, money paid but no work done by Cabana Lifestyle. Um, and unfortunately for Cabana, the vast majority of reviews are not good. Um, They have gone into receivership. A a receiver has been appointed. I will come back to some of the other case stories, but we did then contact some of the people who left reviews on Trustpilot who had also given deposits to Cabana. And they have also um, very sad and worrying and troubling stories to tell of money paid and no work done. Um, A lot of them have now come together, the customers of Cabana, as a group, and they formed a, a WhatsApp group, I believe, and some are already taking legal action. Some have already taken legal action. Others are in the process of taking legal action, and some are taking legal advice. So, um, 
I decided then we'd take a closer look at uh, Cabana Lifestyle as to what exactly happened. Um, they're up at the top of the airport hill on the right there. Uh, so I took a drive up there on Monday afternoon and there is a, a, a notice on the door of the office and it, it's all closed up and locked up and it says, with deep regret and sadness, the shareholders and directors of uh, Cabana Lifestyle have announced that the company will cease trading. Worsening, worsening economic conditions in 2023 arising from ongoing inflation, interest rate increases, substantial energy cost increases, um, along with order cancellations, has a significant impact on the business, tightening of disposable incomes and discretionary spending patterns all had an adverse effect on sales and consequently the demand for our products. So trading conditions in recent weeks were particularly challenging and despite the introduction of new sales and marketing efforts and things like the cost reductions, they've been unable to stem the dramatic decline in turnover and cash flow. Uh, and they're left with no other option other than appointing a receiver to the company. We're committed to working in tandem with the receiver and customers to try and endeavour to fulfil orders. Um, it also says that Jared Murphy and company chartered certified accountants are now the appointed receiver over the company and will be in direct contact with the customers regarding order fulfilment. Now, it's early days for the receiver. However, um, we did speak to the receiver this morning, uh, Jared Murphy, um, and I'll come to that in a few minutes' time. But we did reach out and try and get in touch with uh, with the people behind uh, Cabana Lifestyle. Um, and I know that they had a Northern Ireland branch, so we were having no luck with the Cork branch. The um, phones weren't being answered. There was an answering machine um, and we were getting no one because nobody nobody is answering the phone and there's nobody in the shop in Cork or at least at the showrooms. But there is a Northern Ireland branch of it. So um, we did email uh, and Pat Crowley from Cabana came back and he says, good day, I was forwarded your email from the closed Northern Ireland branch. It's closed in the north as well. And I'm coming back to you on this difficult situation. Uh, I can confirm that Jer Murphy chartered accountants are appointed receivers. Um, this is now posted on the website and the CRO the Northern Ireland branch was only recently opened and does not have any open orders or deposits, so we will just simply shut the Northern Ireland branch. The receiver is working with suppliers to establish a base to fulfil customers' orders. The receiver is now the point of contact for all communications in the future. I hope this clarifies your query and we will work with the receiver and customers over the coming months. So again, a promise to work with customers as well as working with the receivers. So we spoke this morning to the receivers, or at least Seamus did. They're not in a position to talk on air this morning, but hopefully will next week because it's very early days in the work that they need to do with regards to um, the uh, receivership of Cabana. But the receiver did say, those who have paid money to to Cabana won't be getting their money back. You won't be getting your cash back unless you can claim off your insurance. And then I asked, what insurance are we talking about here? And it could be if you paid by credit card. But you won't be getting your money back um, um, unless you can make some some kind of personal insurance claim yourself. Uh, The receiver said the receiver will be working with third party suppliers to see if the outstanding jobs that are already started can be completed take about a week to go through everything and they hope to resolve the outstanding satisfac- the, 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 these outstanding jobs satisfactorily. Once the receiver has gone through all of the records received from Cabana, they will then speak to me on the air next week. But what's very sad and worrying is those that have paid deposits and what have you where jobs have not started will not be getting any money back from Cabana Lifestyle. Uh, and I mention that because there is quite a number of people um, who also... 
just like the lady who had 4,600 euro taken as a deposit and has nothing to show for it. Uh, but that woman is not alone. Um, there are many others as well who are now wondering, will they get their money back? Uh, here's one of them. Uh, we paid Cabana a €12,000 deposit last August 2022. Nothing delivered. Months of stalling, which have mounted to nothing now, and now they've gone into receivership. Not sure whether we'll be able to recover our money or get the project completed, but we will sure try. Um, it would be great if all those affected by Cabana would come together and we can hold this company accountable for their actions. So that is up on Trustpilot from just last week, where somebody paid over €12,000 in a deposit. You won't be getting that back. Now, your solicitor might be saying something entirely differently, but my understanding of a situation like this is if the receiver is called in and a company goes into liquidation, they try and work out exactly how much money is in the company with regards to stock and fixtures and fitting and money in the bank account. But the customers who have given deposits are not at the top of the list of debtors. You're not. You're fairly down the list. Um, first will be revenue. Then will be the banks. Then probably will be suppliers. And then customers. So that's why the liquidator or the receiver is saying, unless your legal advice gives you anything different, um, I don't believe you'll be getting any money back. Uh, we're in the same position. They took a deposit of €4,000 off us in April and have strung us along since then with excuses and promises. They even promised us a refund two weeks ago and had to come uh, onto this review page to find that they've even now closed down permanently. For those in the same position as us, the store is still open in Northern Ireland with the same director listed as the Cork branch. You are right there, except that branch in Northern Ireland has closed as well. Uh, Another one, uh, we've been lured into submitting substantial deposits last year towards big garden projects from the start Um, I think from the start it was obvious that they were not in a position to complete the order. Um, I think all the affected parties should get their act together uh, and don't let companies get away with this kind of carry-on. So, you know, companies go bust, um, they go into receivership and they are liquidated. That happens all of the time. In some cases, the companies do that and they reopen again sometime later doing the same thing under another name. Um, There's nothing illegal about companies going bust. It's just awful for people who've given deposits. It really is. Another one. I paid a large deposit in February. After agreeing plans, I was told everything is ready to go and would be with me in about six weeks. It's now six months later. Loads of emails from me, phone calls, which um, they always tried not to answer, answer. Constantly told they're in board meetings or not in the office today or on holidays. I'm still waiting for my cabin. What really makes me sick is people who ordered items in May or June got what they paid for faster. Surely they would try and help those who've been waiting for months first. And there's more. Uh, What to do when a company promised delivery in 16 weeks and you're still waiting 54 weeks later and the general manager promises and promises to update but doesn't even reply to your messages for weeks. We placed an order and a deposit of €3,000 in April of this year for a pergola. Of course, it never arrived. Didn't get one call nor one update. Had to go in there and the manager acting surprised. Um, He was supposed to call us. Apparently, we were being given a better product with more features because they were dealing with new suppliers. These were the reasons we were given. Nothing has ever happened. And another one. I've been informed that the company's gone into liquidation. I feel sorry for their workforce. They were a good bunch of guys when you got to know them. But I wish I could turn the clock back and not bought in to doing any business. Um, They took our life's savings, promised to be completed in a short time frame, and then blamed others for the shortfalls. 
by making commitments to turn up. They didn't even bother communicating when they never arrived. Our project was to be completed in 16 weeks. It was meant to be life-changing for us. The salesperson knew this, and from what I know now, stood in our back garden, knowing full well the project would never be completed in the projected time frame proposed. We're now at our wit's end. Our back garden is unusable, the cabin is partially completed and in no way watertight, and I have no confidence in their ability to complete our project in a reasonable time frame. There's another one. Paid a deposit for a sauna before Christmas. Still nothing. The company will not respond to emails. After phone calls, they promised an email with updates, but absolutely nothing. We've got nothing but endless broken promises. Absolutely terrible experience. And I could go on. Just one more. Um, This is quite lengthy, but the bullets are ordered in May of 2022. Was told it was 8 to 12 weeks. Uh, Finally arrived in January 2023. Started work in our garden based on the delivery dates. We had to halt everything for months as we waited for delivery. This meant we were living in a building site our back garden, a building site for six months. Installed in February and has been leaking ever since. Um, well, this must be a pergola, perhaps. It's, um, or maybe, maybe it's an office or an office cube. Leaking since. They tried to fix it several times, unable to do so. They seem to have totally given up on finding a solution now. One of the doors was damaged when it was removed and now it needs to be physically lifted to close the door. The retracting roof broke a month ago, and despite committing to fix it, it is still broken. They have caused myself and my wife a huge amount of stress and anxiety, and as a result of having a room attached to our house that leaks every time it rains. They posted a promo video of our back garden when the frame was put up without our permission. All they keep saying is that it's an issue with the supplier. But what they don't seem to understand is that my contract is with Cabana and not the supplier. I have lost count how many times they've made promises to us about providing a solution and fixing the issue. Now, I read those out for you because that's just a selection of the awful uh, worry that people have now of given deposits of four and a half grand, five grand, 14 grand, 18 grand, and even more. Because I'm wondering, are there other people out there who also have work outstanding, half started, half finished, or not started at all, who have given substantial deposits to Cabana. Now I imagine they had some good years. I would think during lockdown they probably had some very good years because a lot of people would have been attracted to working from home and putting in some sort of an office in the garden or the side of the house. But of course as soon as lockdown finished up and we got back to somewhat normal um, life, I imagine then that the order started to drop and you kind of feel for a company when that happens. But really my onus of responsibility now at the moment is to those people who have deposits um, and substantial deposits. And, you know, people take out loans for deposits for uh, something like this. It could be an office. It could be it could be a cube. It could be a pergola. It could be maybe a hot tub or a, a hydro pool. Get in touch with me. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Much of our talk with regards to rip-off prices and how crazy it's got centred around this uh, small bottle of red wine at the airport for €11. Now, the airport itself are going to talk to the cafe and the cafe are going to uh, reduce their prices on that. So, People Power makes things work. work. Somebody says the wine is ridiculous. You'd get a big bottle for that price. We've got to stop supporting businesses to charge like this. It's the only way to stop them. Not all businesses charge like that. So, we should be praising the ones 
who don't charge like that. Um, another person says, I decided to get a bag of chips last night after being out in Dunleary. Um, and I went into a restaurant asking if they served takeaway. I was charged four euro. That was okay. When he gave me the chips, he asked me if I wanted sauce. I said yes. There was a charge for the sauce on the chips. I got home and I can tell you that the bag of chips was only half full. You won't be going back to that chipper, that's for sure. In Galway last week, we paid 25 euro and 30 cent for five cones with one scoop on each. Good God almighty. What is that? Five euro and six cent per cone? That is a total rip-off. Just back from France, a bottle of Santa Rita Sauvignon Blanc is four forty-nine for an entire bottle. But in the airport, the smaller version of that is €11. Euro. I'm in Spain all week long. I'm asking for a doggy bag from restaurants and I'm charged for the carton and the bag. Well, the Spaniards are onto the lark as well then. Uh, one more here. Tenerife, listening to you right now, €2.50 for a glass of wine. Would you ever come back, I wonder, huh? You'd stay there. Anyway, back to the phone calls and phone lines. Julie, good morning. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm very keen to talk to people who have paid ridiculous money for things that should be an awful lot less. What was your story? I went into Centra because my little boy likes bread and butter. So I went up to the deli and I asked and I said, hey, could I have two slices of bread and butter? She said, yeah, no problem. Next thing she handed it back to me and I looked at the price and it was six fifty for a slice of bread and butter. So I said to her, I goes, uh, is that price right? And she said, yeah, it is. And I said, there's no fillings in it. And she goes, yeah, there is. There's butter in it, isn't there? <laughs> ah, yeah, but this, she was winding you up, wasn't she? No, no, I genuinely, I go, sorry, are you serious? And she's like, no, that's genuinely the price of it. And I go, that can't be the price of it. I said, there's nothing in it. She's like, yeah, but there's butter. And I go, what's the price of butter? It's not that crazy. Was it she's two like, slices of sliced pan or what? It was, a sli- it was out of a sliced pan. So she had taken it from a slice pan and buttered it and gave it to me and it was six fifty. So the whole the whole slice pan itself, they're probably buying it in for a euro fifty. The whole slice pan. Yeah. But she decided to charge me six fifty for two slices of it and it made you a bit of butter. In a centra deli. In a centra deli. And did you buy it? No, because I said to her, I goes, you do know I can get the slice pan a lot cheaper than the butter. She goes, yeah, well, you can do that if you want. And I said, come on, like, that's a bit of a disgrace. We're not going that bad. And she was like, well, we are. So I goes, John, I said, you can keep that. I said, the next thing the manager heard me and came over and she asked me, is everything okay? And I said, no, because the price of your bread and butter has gone to disgrace. She said, it's okay, look, just take it. I was like, yeah, because I wasn't going to pay that. <laughs> who who came? We got. We need to ring this centre, right? Who who came up with the price of six fifty for two slices of sliced pan with butter in the middle? Like, yeah, is it, on, like is it on a till button, or did she just make it up? No, she literally put it through her till, so the way they've the, like the till themselves that they can print out the labels. She literally went over and printed it out, and even when I said to her, I goes, "There's no fillings in it." She's like, "Yeah, there is. There's butter, isn't there?" <laughs> butter isn't a filling. Mm-hmm. What would it have been if there was ham and cheese inside in it? I don't know. It would have been six fifty if there was ham, yeah. cheese, and coleslaw in it. It would have been six fifty. Yeah, but clearly she wanted to charge me a lot more for fucking ah, for bread sorry. and butter. Sorry about the f bomb. So if I go in there yeah. later, if you tell me the branch. And I asked for two I, slices of bread and butter. Will they charge me six fifty or what? They probably would. So the manager said, "Take it away. You're all right." And did you take it away then? Oh, I did take it away because it was my little boy that wanted it. He's a plain eater, is he? 
he's a plain eater, he's a picky eater, he'll stick to the same four things. Ah, but six fifty. You'd say something if it was two euro. Yeah, I wouldn't mind paying the old two or three euro for the bread and butter. Like I expected to go and pay something, but not six fifty. I mean, if it's six fifty for bread and butter, a proper sandwich is probably ten or twelve euro in that place. It's got to be like <laughs> you need a mortgage to win there. <laughs> All right, but push it back on hold there and we find out where that was and just ring him up and ask him because I'm very, very nosy about that. Thanks, Julie. That beats all. Six fifty for two slices of bread and butter. Our attitude wasn't great either, I have to say. It's not the way to speak to customers. Anyway, a lot of this started earlier in the week when we were talking about different prices of things and one of them was the price of coffee because I am reliably informed that the markup on coffee, coffee is absolutely phenomenal. The profit margin and the profit on, on coffee is just huge. Uh, and coffee has become more and more popular. I got a very small, um, not great, it was just fine, uh, flat white at the weekend, and I was charged €3.85 at the railway station. And I thought, I got one coming up this morning, actually. I stopped because it was in, in Port McGee, so I came up this morning at, at quarter past five. But I stopped when I got to um, Lissarda. You know the garage there in Lissarda? They do a rockin' trade, rockin'. In, in breakfast rolls and teas and coffees. No matter which coffee you get there, it could be an Americano, it could be a cappuccino, it could be a flat white, it could be anything at all, 250. They're all just 250. That's the kind of money I'm talking about. And I think coffee should max out on that. I wonder if Paul at Three Little Piggies would agree or disagree. Paul, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm good. So, obviously, you're going to defend your profession, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, of course. But 385 um, seems to me as if pricing has now gone mad. 385 for a flat white is expensive. Right. Uh, the, the market in Cork City at the moment, for a, in a cafe, you should be paying 320 to 350 for a flat white, depending where you go. I know, but hang on a while. That's sitting down with a cup and saucer and a table oh, yeah, and a chair. You're sitting, you're sitting down with a cup no, and these saucer. No, these are paper, these are paper cup prices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sitting down, uh, well, the price would be the same for takeaway as it would be sitting down with us, and that would be the same for most cafes. Um, but obviously, it depends on the quality of the coffee as well. Uh, like the coffee you got in the railway station, I'm not sure how much they'd be paying. I'm not sure the, the quality of the coffee. How much? Be, be honest with me now. Just blow the lid on this for me. How much does it cost to produce a cup of coffee hot into my hand? Well, for instance... For us, the double shot, it's a double shot coffee goes into most coffees. That would cost us 40 cents. Now, if you're having a takeaway, lid and cup, you're looking at about 23 cents. Milk, you're looking at about 25 cents. <laughs> wow, wait a second. Uh, there's no you way, would. like how would, oh, you mean to fill the cup, it's 25 cents of milk. Yeah. Okay, not yeah. a dash of milk. Okay, all right. Not a dash of milk, yeah. Right. Uh, then you start adding on your VAT, production costs. Uh, you include electricity. Uh, we'd be factoring in insurance, outdoor seating. You, you, you'd be putting all your bells and whistles onto it, all your costs, basically, you know. But the cost you gave me there is 20 cent a shot, 23 for... Um, the cup and the lid and 25 for the milk. That's a euro. 
it'd be forty cents for a double shot. So, so but, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but if I if I get an americano, I'm not getting a double shot, am I? It's, it's, it's double shots in in it's double shots in all coffee that you get except a single espresso. Okay, so they're always double shots. So it's it's forty cent worth of beans then. It'd be forty cents worth of beans, and it could be quite higher in other places depending on what coffee they're using. But you. But how do we know that they're not higher in other places and they're not using good coffee? You don't know. Well, anybody that's a coffee drinker will know straight away. Okay. Okay. They'll know straight away whether it's it's poor poor enough coffee or whether it's a high grade coffee. Okay, so that that means it's pretty much you're saying a euro to a get euro. it into the customer's hand before you put on vat and uh, wages and light, before, lighting before, and heat and seating and all that. Before you start, yeah, a euro to euro twenty, depending about that. Before you start putting on everything else onto it. Then. Okay, I, I would have thought it would have been an awful lot less than that, Paul. To be honest, no, no, it, it, it's not. No, you can. Start cutting corners, like I said, uh, the train station. I don't know what kind of coffee to use, but you can get, you can get the cheapest of cheapest of coffees. Uh, you can get single wall cups. You can get cheap lids, and you can reduce that. But you, you're you're kind of dropping down the line. So how can in, how can Lasarda then? Can they do any coffee? It's the machine now, but there's nothing wrong with it. It was, it was perfectly good. How can they do oh. anything for two fifty? For two fifty, whoa. <laughs> a coffee for two fifty. I, I haven't heard of in the city in any cafe. No, obviously you go into the likes of uh, maybe Centra and stuff like that. You're going to get it uh, from those boys or their dispensers and that, you know. And again, the likes of uh, like Musgraves have their own coffee, which we've we've heard of, you know. Um, I forget the name of it. Jeez, they okay. roast the okay. beans. They roast the beans themselves. Is it the Frank and Honest coffee? Frank and honest, but they're cutting out their middleman, so the cost of the bean to them is, is basically at source. It just struck me that we're very soon heading towards a fiver for a cup of coffee, the way things are going Oh, now. listen, I, I actually said it last year um, that we are heading in the direction of five euro coffee. Uh, the VAT is going to go back up in August uh, from 9 to 13.5. That's a 4.5% increase. If the government burn out their levy on the cup, which they're talking about, a 20 cent levy, that would actually be 30 cents when you add on VAT buying cups and at the yeah, I know. VAT yeah. going on. That'll add on another 30 cents. So I think within 12 months, if they bring all this out, people are going to see a cup of coffee going up by 40 to 50 cents. Yeah. It, uh, people, do you think people will start thinking twice then about having a coffee or the second cup of coffee? Seriously, like it's it's well, it's, it's coffee. Only, yeah, people only have so much money in their pockets, so obviously they're they're going to reduce the amount of coffee they drink every week for the, to suit their budget. Okay, at at the airport, the, the the receipt that had the small bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon in the airport. This is the small one, the little twisty small one, one yeah. eleven euro. There was an Americano on that as well, and it had a cup levy of twenty cent. What's that about? A cup levy of twenty cents. Was that a takeaway cup? Yeah, I, I guess it probably was. Yeah, well, obviously they're pricing their coffee. If you're sitting down having a ceramic, it's going to be twenty cents cheaper than the takeaway cup. So, are they were they charged twenty cent levy when they bought those cups, and they're passing it on to the customer? 
No, they, they would probably price their coffee sitting down with a ceramic cup at a certain price to kind of keep the price down. But if you want to take away, then they're adding on their 20 cents for the, the cup, takeaway cup. Why? Because, well, the cup and lid would cost them at least that. But they didn't used to do this before, adding 20 cent on to a single-use cup. No. Uh, or is, it, is, this a, is this an environmental levy? I'm wondering. But it's not any government levy or anything like that. That's an in-house thing they're doing themselves, you know. Yeah, no idea, because I read there is a new environmental levy on single-use disposable cups will come into our operation early next year. And this yes, is from yes. last year. So I think this rule yeah. has come into operation, adding 20 no. cent on a single-use cup for hot drinks. No, it hasn't come into effect yet. Definitely not. Okay, so why then, why then are they charging it? Well, as I said, I, I, I'm not sure. No, you, you won't know that because it's not your business. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll ask yeah. them as to why they're charging this. 20 cent yeah. cup but, levy. But and they, 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 that hasn't been, the government are still talking about it. It was talked about last year. They are looking at bringing it in. It has to come in because of European law, but it's not in effect yet in Ireland. Do you think it would be a good idea to cut down on, on um, single use coffee cups? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Not absolutely. cups, you know what I mean, take out. If, 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 we could, if we could reduce the amount of takeaway cups we do or eliminate them altogether, it's going to bring down the price of coffee for, for customers. And what would the solution be? Reusable ones or, or what? Well, you saw in Killarney that they're, they're talking, there's a, a group of cafes that have um, eliminated uh, disposable cups and they're all going with reusable cups. Um, now, I, if it could work, it would be brilliant. Um, could it work in Cork City? It could. Now, there was a company doing it before COVID, but when COVID hit, they stopped it in that you'd buy one of these uh, plastic cups for a euro, basically, that's all it would cost you, and you could go into about 10 or 15 cafes that had them in the city, hand them in your dirty one, they give you a clean one, and wash the one you have and put it back into circulation later. It works, that works. Yeah, that's probably a good way to go because there's an awful lot of litter from uh, single-use coffee. Oh, this, the amount of, the amount of um, disposable cups I'd say in Ireland every day, you, it would frighten you to, uh, to see the amount of cups we go through. Mm, okay, okay. Thanks for breaking it down, the cost of it, because I would have thought that it was a lot less than that, but you've, you've, no, you've, no, you've no. broke it down, double shots. No, no it, it's, 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 All right. it's not as, as cheap as you would think to, to do, but 385 what you pay for a flat white is... It's up there, I isn't be, it? I, I, I'd be... Maybe expecting to pay that if I went into the Imperial Hotel or something. No, but like I, that, I mean, you know? it's 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 okay. There's not there was nothing wrong with it, and there was a really big queue of people waiting. So obviously, it's very popular there. And maybe I was the only one that thought it was high. Everybody else seemed to be okay about it. They but were all buying their coffees and. But how many coffee shops are inside the railway station? Well, there's technically two because you have the little shop as well, which incidentally does fantastic yeah. sandwiches. Um, and they have, a, they, have an, they have an automatic machine, but I think people now are going for the designer coffees more, aren't they, rather than... Oh, they are. They, they, want, they want good quality coffee, and people will, people will pay a little bit extra for, for quality coffee. Okay. We've become, we've become coni- uh, coffee connoisseurs in Ireland, and we won't accept cheap anymore. We don't take cheap beans. We won't do that. We'll pay for quality, and that's what they're paying for now, the, the quality albeit expensive in some eyes. Okay, thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Paul Walsh with Three Little Piggies. Uh, Jim down in Yall actually has an interesting one because we're talking about the price of things. The same jar of coffee, Jim. Go ahead. 
Yeah, there's a shop here on the main street in York called uh, the To Go Shop. T O G O To Go Shop. It's inside the clock tower down here. And they're charging four fifty for two hundred gram um jail coffee. A half mile out the road in Tesco's, the same jail, same weight, whatever, nearly nine euros. Twice the price. You'd think it'd be the other way around that Tesco would be cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> You're joking me. Is it instant coffee? Uh, mild blend instant coffee powder. Is that still popular? Coffee. I mean, is, is instant coffee still still on the go? I tell you one thing, I, I, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get enough of it. I have the jail here in my hand. And so if you, had, if you had a choice between freshly ground coffee or instant coffee, what would you go for? Instant coffee, right. every time, every, okay. every time. But, but but why wouldn't I? When I can get it for four four fifty a jail. All right, uh, uh, man. All right. Yeah. Okay, half the price of Tesco. Thanks for that. I know where Jim is buying his coffee. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Cabana Lifestyle has gone into uh, receivership and an awful lot of customers have deposits with them that are now gone and substantial amounts of money, upwards of, uh, well, 3,000, 5,000, 14,000, 18,000 and more. GP says, uh, in all fairness, how can you feel sorry? You said you feel sorry for a company. Um, how can you feel sorry for the company? It's the it's the customers. Also, you never ever pay a deposit, people. You've spoken about that often enough on the air. Irish people are so stupid. Never give deposits. Um, I have spoken about this in the past with regards to people who are doing work in your house, for instance. Try not to give deposits if it's like if it's like painting and decorating or carpentry and stuff like that. But if you're having work done or something added on to your house, I think that's a different story entirely. Usually, the rule of thumb for this, if they're ordering stuff for you and you place an order with the company and they have to go away and order it there would be a booking deposit a securing deposit because otherwise they could go away and get all of your stuff get your cabin or get your office or get your hot tub or whatever the case may be bring it into the country from wherever it is and you decide you don't want it you change your mind so I think you would need a booking deposit but a rule of thumb on that is usually 10% um, if you're getting big work done and on many of us have had work done in the house before you pay a deposit at the start the deposit so that the job gets done and orders can be done and the stuff that's needed is bought in and then you pay um, you pay uh, incrementally as the job is being done in stage payments. That's the way it should work. If there, are, you know, if it's going to take, if it's going to take three months, then you might break that into maybe three or four payments. That would be a big job. So by the time you get to the work being finished, you pay the final amount. In the case of the deposits that I see here with Cabana, they do seem quite high. They do seem quite high. You know, five thousand, fourteen thousand, eighteen thousand, three and a half thousand. Those seem like high deposits, 4,600. So if um, anybody has um, a story to share with regards to uh, booking deposits regarding, and there seems to be a lot of people, do get in touch. I'll never give out your personal details um, unless you wish me to do so. Uh, But I'll hope to talk to the receiver involved in that because a lot of people have been affected and in some cases, people's life savings. So you can email neil at redfm.ie. But last bit of business for today, we're giving away all sorts of fantastic family passes to wonderful tourist attractions across the city and county. And boy, if you get one of these passes today, you and the family, particularly the kids, will have a lot of fun down at the Toy Soldier Factory down in Kilnamatra. It's been a long time since I was down there, but I was many years back. And uh, it wasn't today nor yesterday uh, that Lars came all the way from Sweden bought a factory building in the village of Kilnamatra and the rest is history. Um, can I get a quick call in to Lars, if you don't mind, just before we give away the passes? Lars, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are you? It's been a long time. I see that you're going from strength to strength. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the event is, is the most popular tourist attraction in the Macroma area now. And why so wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it uh, be? Yeah. Tell me about tell me about exactly what you do, particularly the workshops and the moles. And it's a lot more than just painting toy soldiers now. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, uh, we specialize in, in uh, uh, casting metal figures. Uh, so the workshop uh, uh, involves choosing your figure. It could be a soldier, a rabbit. It could be a monster. Uh, we have a full range of, of stuff. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> we make the figure in front of the, the uh, participant. Uh, uh, you then take your figure, uh, sit down at the table. Uh, 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 you get a brush and a selection of colors, and you get a little bit of instruction, and then you paint, paint away. It takes about uh, uh, 30 minutes to 60 minutes. Uh, and uh, at the end of it, you can keep your figure, take it home, put it on the shelf, uh, and, and uh, uh, admire your work. Absolutely. That's why you call it Make Me, Paint Me, Take Me Home. And actually, the standard of work and the standard of decoration and painting is very high because I've seen the photographs. And, I mean, we're, we're talking about kids a lot of the time, but adults as well. I mean, it's quite intricate. They must really enjoy it. It brings out the creative side in people, right? Uh, it, it certainly does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you uh, you could spend hours at painting something, and uh, uh, <clears throat> it's quiet here. We allow people to sit for hours. Uh, that's no problem. And and uh, some of the pieces they paint is, is fantastic. I love the fact that you're licensed to make the little collectibles from Tolkien's The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. So you will cast some character from that. And the kids and the not so young can paint those themselves. Yeah, that, that's correct. I mean, we have had a license since 1988. We're the, the oldest licensor of Tolkien min- miniatures in the world. Uh, and uh, our collection is also the largest in the world. Wow. Isn't it amazing? It's great, actually, because I'd say, you know, people love the fact also that there's free popcorn, is there? Yeah, if you book online, we give you free free popcorn as an incentive. Let me give a, popcorn. Let me, popcorn yeah. is is a uh, 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 let's say uh, uh, it, it contains only thirty calories <laughs> for proportion. <laughs> So you don't have to worry about that you're getting fat from... from. <laughs> Parents won't be giving out to you for bait sugar into their children. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, listen, I'm going to give away some family passes um, and invite people to go along. What is this here? Where Prince August was named after the Prince August steam train, which ran in the 1850s. It, was that a Swedish train? It was the Swedish train, yeah. I'm originally Swedish. I've been here 47 years now. Uh, but that name was taken for our products when, when uh, we, we were based in Sweden. Well, you just came over for a look around, is it, and decided to stay, is it, Lars, back in 1976? <laughs> uh, yeah, 75. October bank holiday weekend, uh, <laughs> In, in 1975. Did you come over uh, for the Mountain Dew Festival or something and never went home? <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I came over for the fishing. <laughs> <laughs> is the fishing as good as ever then, yeah? Uh, uh, no, no, it's better than Sweden, but but, but it's not as good. <laughs> All right, okay. The times there are changing. Listen, congratulations on 47 years in business, 47 years of putting smiles on faces for adults and kids. I'm going to give away some family passes, so I'm going to be sending some people your way. But if people want to book, is it just www.toysoldierfactory.ie? Yeah, that's correct. You're the best. Thanks for the passes, Lars. Look after yourself. Okay. Nice catching up. Take okay. care. Thank you. That's Bye-bye. Lars Edman at the Toy Soldier Factory in Kilnamatra. So, callers 9, 10, 11, 12 and 13. Family passes. And each one of those passes will have five people to enjoy the 60-minute workshop at the Toy Soldier Factory in Kilnamatra. And what you make and what you paint, you take home and put up on the mantelpiece. So, lines are open. 0818 um, we did a poll there, by the way. I ran a poll on the two-child benefit cap on Twitter. We asked a question that we heard recently in the UK that in some cases child benefit has been capped when you've had your second child. Uh, what we want to know is should we introduce a child benefit cap in Ireland? Interestingly, 56% of people said definitely introduce a cap on children's allowance and 44% of people said absolutely no way. So tight enough, actually, that one. Tight enough. That poll will stay open until mid-morning tomorrow on my Twitter page. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.